What's up, everybody? Jordan here. Uh, as you can probably tell, I'm uh, a bit congested. It's been a couple weeks for you boys. I've been on again, off again sick. Cameron has moved apartments in New York, which is a whole ordeal in and of itself. So we didn't have any real time to, to do a funny skit for this episode. But before we get started, I did just want to drop in and say, in the spirit of the holiday, even though Thanksgiving is kind of a bullshit myth-making holiday with genocide and all kinds of other things mixed into it um that we are very thankful for you the listeners and, and people who have been checking us out over the last year and, and some change we, we definitely appreciate you we couldn't do the show without you we do the show for you it is our own little weird sociological experiment and we definitely appreciate you guys uh welcoming us into your your podcast space listening to us uh sharing some some laughs with us hopefully sharing some insightful thoughts as well and yeah we just we just really appreciate you guys um and hopefully everybody's doing okay it's been you know the world is crazy it continues to be crazy a lot of crazy things going on so hopefully you're getting to spend some time with with loved ones and people around you um and you know just taking this time to kind of de-stress decompress self-care all that stuff um, and, you know, in the spirit of the season, we have decided that we are going to start a, a charity drive coming up for our less melanated compatriots in the winter who continue to wear shorts. Uh, so we are starting the White People Won't Save You Pants Drive, which will be coming up soon. We, we, we've thought maybe, you know, they just don't have pants. And, and you know, it's, maybe it's a us thing. Maybe we've been coming at this all wrong. Maybe they just only have shorts. And when it comes to the winter, you know, they are cold, but they just they don't have any pants to wear. And so we'd, we'd like to start this drive just to get get pants out there circulating uh, for those who continue to wear shorts in the winter. And hopefully this will be a, a welcome change to the world and we can all just, you know, be comfortable when the colder months come along. So be on the lookout for that. Um, but yeah, thank you guys so much. Peace and love to everybody. Happy holidays. can't save us we don't want to be saved you can't save us we don't want to be saved you can't save us we don't want to be saved you can't save us we don't want to be saved you can't save us we don't want to be saved you can't save us we don't want to be saved you can't save us we don't want to be saved you can't save us we don't want to be saved uh, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of White People Won't Save You. This is the podcast where we deconstruct these white saber films and recontextualize them through a black and POC lens. I'm one of your hosts, Jordan Clark. And I'm the other one, Cameron Mason. And this episode should be coming out just around the time for Thanksgiving football. So if you're, right. if you're sitting down, you're getting ready to watch whatever trash teams. I mean, typically the Lions, the Cowboys, if you care about that kind of stuff. Uh-huh. Um, but <laughs> we've, we've got a football movie for you today that's a real interesting A real barn burner. <laughs> um, but we also have uh, a very fun guest for you guys to to meet and to hear from who picked this movie. And I've, we're going we're gonna to talk about that as well. <laughs> uh, but this is Shane Paul Neal. What's going on, guys? How you feeling? Good, good. Happy to have you here, man. Good. I'm glad to be the 23rd most interesting person on your list of guests. <laughs> yes, yes. We literally do go by as interesting as the guests. Is. I would, no, so no. you sent me the list of movies like, that's gone, that's gone. Shit, that's mm-hmm. gone. Wait, how many episodes? Wow. This, all right. I'm, I'm, somebody bailed out. Somebody called out sick. <laughs> <laughs> well, so here's the thing. We're at the point now where there's still a few, like, 
you know, remember the Titans type movies hanging around mm-hmm. that, you know, people want to get into that. But now we're getting into at least what I consider to be the real interesting mm-hmm. stretch of the show because, like, <laughs> we got some just curiosities here. We got some weird <laughs> movies that I think that's a good way to put it. Yeah. Curiosities, yeah, I like, like that because we've we've done some. Last week we did a movie called November Criminals, which is like nobody's heard of that movie, no. and it's also <laughs> just terrible. But like. <laughs> We're, we're it's almost like we're getting into the mystery science theater 3000 portion of the show where it's just like you've never heard of this but we're gonna have a good time roasting it uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, um random shout out have you ever watched prim's hood cinema uh yes it is amazing yeah i mean we got to see if we can get them on the show yeah you gotta get just watching that he's just like he's the greatness he's great (laughs) (laughs) well let's let's talk about you for a minute because you do a lot of things you're a writer uh you're a photographer and you know photography is something that you know you said that you got into pretty recently during the pandemic Mm -hmm. what what was that journey like just like what attracted you to photography and, and what do you think as a as an artist and specifically as a black artist um, that, you know, photography has the power to, to show? Um, so I've been a writer for as long as I can remember. And my wife is also a writer. Um, but she had all she has been doing Facebook lives to, you know, coach folks their writing or anything else. But she was doing it through like her laptop screen, her laptop camera. It's like, I'm bored. Let me get a couple of cameras, see if we can make this a real live stream, whatever else. But it's like, so at that point, we're using the camera for like an hour a week. So I ended up picking up the camera and just going out and shooting because just to get out the house. And Mm -hmm. coming from a space where, you know, writing can be very intricate and take a long time to kind of get this instant gratification of I took this photo, let me post it or whatever else, I took to it pretty quickly. Um, Also because, side note, at one point I was basically blind i've had multiple eye surgeries i've had two cataract replacements um two sorry two cornea replacements i've had a cataract replacement i might have another surgery coming at some point um and at one point i was down like 10 percent vision so the idea of me Uh doing anything visual was something i thought wouldn't be the case um Uh but i think for me to answer your question more directly um i randomly got asked to fly out to the tulsa um 100 year uh, memorial for the race massacre. And I went up, they sent me out there to like potentially write a piece and pitch it to some folks or see what would happen. Mm-hmm. But I ended up shooting while I was out there. And that was my first time was kind of like personally experiencing the power of visuals. Like I'm taking pictures of the local Black Panther um, organization because they were out and about because at one point there was a threat of um, violence from white supremacists. So they were on patrol. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm walking with these folks with like M16s and everything else. And it was like mm. this crazy, crazy experience. And that was like my first experience as a professional. I ended up having those photos put up in Ebony. And I think I'd been shooting for like six months at that point. So mm-hmm. that was kind of wild. But how visuals translate, because uh, at that point, it's also not my story. Usually when I'm writing, right. I'm writing from my perspective. The camera gives you the other person's perspective, which has also been big mm-hmm. for me, especially as a journalist and everything else. So the being in now in a world of like this visual world has been a brand new canvas, which I'm just kind of in love with. I'm just now getting back to writing because I pretty much took a hiatus because I was so in love with the camera and doing things on that end. For sure. Well, I mean, I think photography, when you think about, you know, obviously people like Gordon Parks mm-hmm. and others who who use photography not only to 
you know, illuminate certain aspects and, and, and parts of the black experience that I think, you know, people didn't normally get to see. Mm-hmm. But also, you know, photogra- photographing black people has, has definitely been something that not everybody is good at, you know, <laughs> in terms of like lighting us and like showing yeah. us, you know, mm-hmm. and, and the full range of complexions and all that stuff. Um, so, you know, when you are going out and you're doing, you know, your, your shoots and you're trying to capture certain elements, like how intentional are you about, you know, the way that you, you, you shoot and photograph black people? So I think for everything that you said is why I've never done like studio shooting because it is so technical. Um, Mm -hmm. most of what I've done has been street shooting and journalistic and more journalistic stuff, um, on that end to where I'm capturing a scene that white people happen to be in mm-hmm. and not so much a not so much shooting for an aesthetic if that makes sense right so that's my easy way to kind of not do that part yet because shooting black people is a skill and we've seen you know enough vanity fair covers and vote covers over the last few years to know like when you mess it up it's bad bad it's not yeah. even like sort of like eh, it's not even a question but it's like it's just really really bad and I don't want to have that on my ledger. I don't want that that mm-hmm. right on my ledger. Um, so for now, I'm really shooting folks in their environment, in the natural spaces. Um, I mean, the good thing is, you know, black folks do have a glow about them. You know, if you're catching them in out and about in the world, their style, their aesthetic, their style is like same thing. Um, their style. Um, their demeanor, their attitude, their presence carries enough to where I don't have to do a lot in terms of production. If I ever started shooting studio stuff or anything like that, then right. I have to be more mindful of it. But for now, I'm just trying to catch moments more than anything else. Mm. Well, speaking of Red and, and People's Ledger, uh, we have a movie that you picked today. <laughs> yeah, I, that is. It was on the list, by the way. Don't act like I just oh, came no. with this in my pocket. Look, look, we, we have this. We have this all the time. Where we're not, we're not blaming anybody in specific because it is our list, and we did mm-hmm. choose this life. But also, <laughs> I'm always curious what what attracts people to to the movies that they pick. So, tell us a little bit about first the movie that you picked and what it was that that drew you to it. Well, I chose Wildcats um, for a couple reasons. One, and we'll get into this. I'm not 100 percent sure that it's a white savior movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and two, 80s movies have a very specific style to them and sensibility to them that don't exist later on. It's like we were talking about earlier, the stuff that you could do in 80s movies that you could never do again. No. Um, yes. By the way, this is a very emblematic. This is a very <laughs> 80s movie. This might be 100%. like <laughs> one of the most 80s movies we've watched so yeah. far on this podcast. Mm, perhaps. So well, so between those between the sensibility, so also like having the conversation about this, you know, if you're looking at something that's 40 years old with your current sensibilities, what's fair and unfair right. in terms of judging them, right? So those things combined made me think this would be a really great movie to talk about. Plus, it's goofy and it's fun. Um, a lot of white savior movies, <laughs> some would say, <laughs> it's, it's goofy at least. Uh, a lot of <laughs> my favorite movies can be really, really heavy. Like I listened to the Gran Torino episode that you guys did. Mm-hmm. Like Gran Torino mm-hmm. is a, for all its problematic stuff, it's also a very heavy movie. It's yeah. rare that you see a white savior movie that's intended for you to laugh and enjoy yourself and walk out the theater not feeling like, you know, you're 20 pounds heavier. Right. Unless it's Soul Man. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. 
that 20 pounds there is the caked on makeup. That's that is. Well, for, for people who don't know Wildcats, it's a movie from 1986. Uh, it is directed by Michael Ritchie, who you might know better from the multiple Bad News Bears movies. Yeah. Um, and then it stars Goldie Hawn, James Keach, uh, Susie Kuntz, and of course, it's the screen debut of both uh, Woody Harrelson and our our very own Wesley Snipes. Uh, and just obligatory because it's Wesley Snipes. Some motherfuckers are always trying to ice skate uphill. But also, <laughs> inexplicably, but thankfully, uh, Nipsey Russell, like when Nipsey popped up, I was like, oh, yep. <laughs> Not even like, how did they get you in here? But like, man, because it, it's like, um, what did we do? We did the White substitute. No, no, the sub- substitute. Oh, yeah, yeah. And who was the principal on the substitute? Black Ghostbuster, Ernie Hudson. <laughs> Ernie Hudson. And there Ernie we Hudson. Go. And we learned we learned that Ernie Hudson has never stopped working since he started working. He's literally mm-hmm. currently working now. Like if you look at his IMDb, every year is filled in. Up until that today. man's that man's so. like he got his start in a Dolomite movie. Dolomite <laughs> series. So yeah. yes, his first role is in uh I don't think it's the one called Dolomite, I think it's the one called The Black Godfather. Wow. But he's in that. Yeah. As like henchman number three. Good. There's certain black actors that just always existed, like Sam and like there's Ryan. Give me a check. Oh, fine. We'll do it. And this is also, well, this is, I think, maybe not uh, Mikkel T. Williamson's first like leading role, but it's close enough. Streets of Fire is before this in 84. Yeah. Um, but Wildcats is like his first like. Oh, this is him. You know, mm-hmm. like he's getting some some real screen time. So that's that's another person who's, you know, there's some dips and dabs in the in the resume, but he's been working mm-hmm. more or less oh, since yeah. this movie came out. So uh, credited well, as Michael T. Yeah. Williamson in this movie, which I was like, is this is that the same guy? <laughs> Did we just make a white people typo here? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll get we'll give all of these people because right. you know, like. Specifically, oh. Nipsey. I was like, yeah, I was about to say Nipsey Russell, definitely. Yeah, no, he he definitely committed to this role. Yeah. In the way that he was. He didn't he, have to. But <laughs> he, I'll I'll say this: he was punched by a white man in this movie, <laughs> and I did not see where they cut where he's sweating after he probably punched him back in another take or something. You know, he took it on the chin, quite literally. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but the movie comes out in 1986. It doesn't have a budget that I could find, but it did have a box office of $26 million. So that it could not have cost $26 million. I mean, the whole movie is shot <laughs> so, on a dusty field, one home, and a high school hallway. There's yeah, not a lot of locations. So I'm sure, yeah. And none of these people, Goldie Hawn was probably the most expensive yeah. act, like actor in the whole film. So I'm sure oh, yeah. that was like everybody else was on the scene. I'm going to guess Nipsey's... Uh, Writer costs more than his contract. Oh yeah, for sure. Oh, <laughs> I need four bottles of Hennessy. Yeah, <laughs> his trailer was lit. He was he was there. That's why he was there. He was like, look, free booze. Right. My man was my man was getting it. My man was free crime his... Let's go. Yeah, my man was one <laughs> in this movie. Okay, you got paid a peanut butter. Uh, well... <laughs> okay. Man. Cameron, if you if you can and if you will, 
let's see if we can get this movie in five minutes. I'll go ahead and get your timer started. All right. Um, I think you can do it. There's not I, a ton of plot to this movie. Let's see. Let's see how yeah, much plot there right. is in this movie. How about? All right. Uh, well, three, two, one, go. So, Goldie Hawn stars as Molly McGrath. She's the um, track. She's she's the track coach, the girls' track coach at a suburban high school. Uh, we meet her when she's what taking some pictures. It seems to maybe put her name in for uh, the coach of the JV team. Yeah. Uh, at at their school, uh, it seems like they the old JV coach is out sick. Something happened. The movie is very like. I guess he like you know, herniated his back yeah, or it's, something. It's, it's like yeah, he details. hurt his he hurt his back. Very slight on details in this part of the movie, but we, I, I appreciate it honestly because the two-hour version of this movie would not <laughs> have been great. Um, so yeah, she's taking pictures. She wants to be the JV coach, and she gets into a big huff with the actual uh, varsity coach of the football team. So she tells, she's telling her friend, she's like, "I want, I want a coach." So maybe you should, the friend suggests, maybe you should just have a one-on-one with them. So they have a, a racquetball one-on-one. Where they're playing racquetball, talking about the possibility of her coaching the JV team. Now, the coach is an obvious chauvinist. It's an 80s movie. He is the villain from the word go. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's playing racquetball, saying, hey, toots, hey, sweets, hey, babes. Uh, And she's like, you know, I just want to coach this team. I'm not even worried about your babes right now. I'm just going to smile through it and get through this. Uh, She wins the racquetball game, but not quite the argument. Because they go back to school. And they have to talk to the principal to have the real conversation about whether or not she'll be the coach. And they've already got uh, the principal and the coach already have plans around her uh, to have the home ec teacher who is very unskilled. How about I won't I won't go into the, sure. Sure. <laughs> what they try to portray him as. Oh, I mean, we can talk uh, about that in a bit. We, we can definitely talk about that in a bit. But uh, they portray him to be a home ec teacher of the 80s. How about that? And he is not uh, skilled in football whatsoever. No. So uh, the principal and the coach come up with a scheme to have her coach the varsity team at the high school across town, Central High School. So she says, hey, I'm going to pick myself up by the bootstraps. And I'm going to actually do this because I'm going to show you that a woman can coach football, whether you like it or not. So she does decide to go coach. She drives across town and we get that great montage of a bad side of Chicago. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. black people smoking and drinking. You know how we do, apparently. With, with their perms and their shower with caps. That, oh, with their bad perms. <laughs> we can get into the bad perms because Michael T. Wilson, yes. Williamson, you are not exempt from this conversation. <laughs> Your perm was doing four different things over the course of this movie. We will talk about it. Um, so yes, so she drives across town in her VW bus van that she bought, uh, and she finds out it's the bad black school across town. She gets there and two Dobermans <laughs> chase her to the principal's office door inexplicably. And we never see them again. <laughs> we never see them again. So confused. Uh, so that's how bad this school is that dogs are chasing you through the high school. That's just the imagery they wanted to put into your head. Um, so she gets there and the principal of the of central is Nipsey Russell. Uh, black people recognize him as a legendary comedian or the Tin Man in the Wiz, depending on your age. Um, so he, he says, you know, 
We haven't sold enough peanut brittle to get the actual coach to get an actual coach for the team. So you'd actually be great for the job. So, you know, she walks out of there. She's got a job. She goes home and she uh, her dad used to coach football. So he's got all these plays and books. And she's like, yeah, I got, I'm perfectly I'm perfectly suited for this role. I'm ready to do it. She's got two young daughters, one a teenager, one like seven years old or something like that. And she wants to show them that she can do it. She's also a divorced mom, we find out, um, and that the husband has remarried to a younger, cuter wife, I'm guessing. Uh, So at that point, the movie becomes like she shows up in the locker room. What? She shows up to the locker room and they're not wearing pants as a team collectively to like try to intimidate her. And it does intimidate her. She asks them to get out on the field and they start running drills. And the team is just like, uh, you know, in shambles, basically. They're, they're tripping over themselves. They're okay, but they obviously need like some kind of structure. And then there's also one teammate who used to play on the team, but at this present time, he's now what, selling watches out of his coat like any yeah. movie dirtbag? Okay, um, you almost almost got that's, it. But damn, we all right. This is Act fine. 1, too, by the way. Yeah. So sorry, everybody. <laughs> uh, so, so um, yeah, so we got Bird, uh, Michael T. Wills- Williamson, who is uh, selling watches out of his coat. He's not, he, he's doing dirt. He's a criminal, they say. Uh, well, he's a criminal. Uh, I'll give it to him. The movie yeah. just doesn't, doesn't pull punches about that. He's a criminal who's doing stuff on the other side of town. But he's not on the team. Uh, so they're running drills, but apparently Bird used to be the, the best quarterback they had, but he can't play anymore because he doesn't go to school and he steals stuff. So we got the first couple games go pretty bad. The team is like, you know, not really respecting her. They don't even want to call a coach. Uh, she ends up, you know, she's, I, I need to show these guys. She says there's stuff she needs. To, I need to show these guys that I'm one to be respected. So... She comes back to practice the next day and she tells them, Hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, we're gonna run laps. And if you can't run laps, if you pass out before I pass out, then you can't play on the team. And then, and I will be the coach. If I outlast all of you, I will be the coach and you will respect me, which she does even in the rain. She does it. And it's mm-hmm. it, what it drags it out to the point where even Wesley Snipes. Black ass can't outrun <laughs> nope. her in the rain. He even goes down dramatically too. It's so stupid. He's like, oh, you know, so winded. Uh, so yes. Yeah, so at that point, they, what she they walk she walks away. She's like, I'll see you next time. And uh, one of the players says, Hey, fuck you. She says, What's that? And he, she says, Fuck you, Coach McGrath. <laughs> and the respect is earned. And from there, we get we just get to see basically this team like. Start to do well. They start to gel as a team. They're doing okay. They're playing good ball, uh, but they they're kind of in need of a quarterback. So uh, they need Bird. They need Bird on the team, and they go to get. uh, They the the principal says, "Well, here's his address. I wouldn't suggest go finding him, but here he is." So she goes across town to the bad side of town. Goes. To his old job where he used to sell hubcaps. She gets finagled into buying hubcaps for a VW bug. She then finds out he's at the pool hall with all the other rusty dusty niggas playing pool. Uh, and on the, on his way out, she happens to catch him and say, hey, I need you as the quarterback for the team. And he's like, well, I need you because you got a car so I can go steal some TVs. 
So they drive across town to or to another part of t- bad part of town to go steal some TVs. She finds out they're stealing the TV. She's like, this is not behavior becoming of somebody. But before she can even like tell him off, the, his other two friends have stolen her bus, <laughs> stolen her VW van while she's like dangling out the window. And while they hide from the cops in a dumpster, she asks uh, Bird if he'll play for the team. And yes, he, he agrees. And... Uh, from that point on, there's more football, as the songs say. <laughs> there's more football. They play. Uh, they play a couple more games. Then they get into playoffs. Things are going well. They get a couple, have a couple parties. They uh, have one party where uh, it, they have the victory party at Coach Molly's house. Coach Molly's daughters are home. Uh, I guess niggas at the house, so they drink in, right. and uh, <laughs> Molly's divorced husband happens to come home at the same time, and she's like, what are all these Negroes doing in a house I don't own anymore? And uh, they're like, hey, cool it, Jack, saying a bunch of weird stuff that nobody's <laughs> ever said in their life. Uh, and they're partying so hard that they hand the two daughters booze. Yeah. Uh, and on their way out, oh, well, well the, the, the husband says, hey there, Gosh darn it! I I want all you guys out of the house, and what I don't know what he says specifically to get what he gets, but he I guess is short of calling them ragamuffins <laughs> or whatever the hell. Yeah, and gets well, he's so- like, I what, don't what want, he- I don't want, I don't like that you're hanging out with them, with and and this kind or something. Yeah, like that. well, because Nipsey Russell comes downstairs and is like, Hey, yes, what's going yes. on here? And he's like, Um. Oh, you know, because he almost hits him. He's like, "Oh, I thought you were one of them." And Nipsey Russell's yeah, like, "I am one of them." One of the students, yes. Yeah. He turns around and socks Nipsey Nipsey Russell in the mouth, uh, and then he he says, "Oh, I'm sorry. I th- yeah, I thought you were one of them." And cut Nipsey to Russell cut says, to them, all the black them. and brown people in the yes. house. Yes, one of them <laughs> behind her, and then he goes, "Well, I am one of them," and he goes, "Oops, sorry," and I. I that's that yeah. pretty much. Uh, oh, not before, not before a little bit more rustle and tussle happens. Some more partying happens, mm-hmm. and they knock the teenage daughter into a bookshelf. Yeah, where, she's, uh, she's bleeding. Uh, yeah, an extra heavy uh, Monopoly game falls <laughs> on her face and makes her nose bleed. I guess. And then uh, Dad freaks out and says, "I'm taking the kids with me, and you're going to have to fight for custody. We're going to go to court." So, oh, that's sad. And but meanwhile, they have to play a couple more games. So they're playing games, but meanwhile, they have to go to court to. Uh, well, Molly has to go to court to settle the uh, custody dispute with mm-hmm. her husband. They go there, and sh- she tries to argue for herself. Doesn't go over so well. But at the right moment, the lawyer decides to call us special character witness and it's the entire team and they're there to say that white lady there treats us good okay don't screw this up for her she's the best coach we ever had and the judge is just her heart is so warmed um that they come to an agreement where she'll have to coach what track or jazzercise she'll have to coach jazzercise at the private girls school uh, the, in the suburbs, which she doesn't want to do because, of course, she wants to coach these ragamuffins up to uh, <laughs> champion status. So she goes against her wishes and says, yes, I will coach at the fancy schmancy school. Uh, and the judge is w- so warned by this. She's like, OK, well, you can have your kids back if you decide to 
give up on your dreams. <laughs> so <laughs> they <laughs> go back and it's the big playoff game versus uh, what's the original Prescott High School, which was yeah. the school she coached for in the beginning of the movie. Of course, because what would this movie be without uh, full circle moments? Redemption. So <laughs> Redemption. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, so we get to the big playoff game. We get to the big championship game. And the, you know, white man coach is saying all kinds of stuff like, well, I'll, I'll see you guys later. I'll, I'll, I'm sure you uh, just just talking, talking shit, talking yeah. smack. And for the first half of the game, they're doing pretty bad. Uh, what? They're up like 14 zip at the half. And the team goes in the goes into the locker room a little disheartened. And she gives, she tries to give them a rousing speech, which I totally sat there on my couch and expected to give her to give them a rousing speech, which she almost does. But then she decides, hey, I've done enough talking. I'm out of here. I'll let my words speak for myself. And she starts to leave. And the team is like, hey, Molly, Coach Molly, where are you going? And she goes up into the stands to find her husband, who is just her husband and her daughters, who are strategically placed by the front lines. Behind (laughs) all the black people. Behind, just sitting in, like, basically a a mess of extras from House Party. Just everybody's just, like, chilling there, watching this domestic dispute happen. And cheering them on as if they know what's going on, by the way. Stop being a bitch, man. Let her see the kids. I wish somebody would have actually said that. I needed that. Because this movie was needed some joke. God damn. Uh, So she manages to go up to the dad and say, hey. I'm not going to coach at that fancy smashy school. I'm not coaching Jazzercise for no goddamn body. I'm going to coach these kids because I love them. And the, co- and the team is like, yeah, <laughs> she says. And then the husband says, well, all right. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I didn't want you to give up on your dreams. And your daughters love you so much. So if, if you go out there and coach and you, get, and you win that game, then I'll give you your daughters back and I'll stop being such a bitch ass. So and then all the black people around them cheer. Says, "Hey, he's going to stop being a bitch ass." <laughs> so the team is roused by that. Her daughters are roused by that. Even the ex husband is roused by that. And they get up on the on the field and they win the game. And another, by the way, how many buzzer beater games? Me and Jordan. How many buzzer be- buzzer beater games are going to be going to watch? On the I, don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Literally, I was I down to the last really- minute. Is again down to the last minute, down to the last play, and oh, what it's it's yes. Finch, it's the fat player, the oversized player. He's he's the fat guy in this movie. Um, so he it, in the middle of the third act, uh, one of the players, Cerulo. I what is it? Is it a rite of passage thing in the school? He's just trying to impress a yeah. girl. He's trying to impress a girl. He's trying to impress a girl. Yes. We see him do it once in the earlier in the movie, but I was not paying that much attention in the first part of the movie to understand why. But they smash their heads into their lockers really hard to make a dent to impress people. And Cerulo gives himself a fucking brain injury doing this bullshit and they need another player. So it was Finch, the fat guy who convinced him to do it. So Molly, Coach Molly says, hey, well, Finch, you're playing for the team. So Finch finally gets his moment at the end of the game. To block a field goal kick with a, with and a he forty jumped. inch vertical, <laughs> with a forty inch like oh my god, standing so like up. not even running, just straight up. Yeah, it's a straight shot, no no elevation, no uh, uh. no uh, 
No he doesn't start. He go just, down to jump yeah. up at all. He just jumps straight up 40 <laughs> feet in the air to knock this ball out of the... And by the way, we see his midriff like four times <laughs> Yeah, to see how... And the wind machine is like... I thought the ball was going to hit him in the stomach, but... I thought that like, would have been the funny joke. Like what it was going to happen, but no, he just That would have been the funny joke. Yeah. I mean, at least by this movie standards, because also... During the whole game, we cut back to Finch repeatedly, and he's eating a different large piece of food, be it yeah. a pie, a cherry pie, a cake, a fucking a deep dish pizza. And then in the locker room, he's reading the Wall Street Journal. They're just giving him shit to hold as a <laughs> yeah. joke. It's the fucking ridiculous. But anyway, yes, they win the game uh, with the help of Finch. And what? Uh, yeah, that's that. Uh, I'm well, the opposing coach uh, believes that Finch was being paid. No, no, no. Oh, yes. Worse than that. Uh, yes. So he's the coach thought Finch paid to get into the game. Which I'm yeah. not exactly sure if that's because he goes or over not. to the no, I don't know. Yeah, I mean I'm not quite well, sure. Well also how that works. there's a well at, right after halftime we the smash cut is to an intentional face mask. So the rules in this game don't fucking matter. <laughs> yeah. But, but he literally is, like he's convinced that Finch got paid or was paid or something like that. So yeah, they were not pull, he was shake, pulling money out of his jock strap. To, he's not going to uh, shake Molly's hand, and he's about to go, like, literally stick his hand down a juvenile's pinches, pants yeah, in front of pants. hundreds of thousands of people uh, until Finch just, like, like picks like, him up, military presses him above his yeah. head, and, like, <laughs> And makes, makes him, him shake Molly's hand and then and throws him it. into the mud and everybody laughs. And, and then he, yeah, he, he, yeah. he cries like a baby. He, he smashes the dirt yeah. like a baby. Yeah. And everybody cheers. And inexplicably can't and get I up. literally. No. Yeah. He, he slips. He does the like try to get up and then slip directly again. Yeah. <laughs> and this movie is so, that last whole scene was like pulled out of every stereotype of an 80s movie you already have. Because when he slips in the mud, he slips again, and then he does the baby wham-wham yes. in the mud. Yeah. And then we cut up to uh, Coach Molly, who is being hoisted up by the team. And I literally said it at the right moment. I was like, and freeze frame. And a movie. Well, That's look, Wildcats. Yes. Hey, so many things to talk about, but first and foremost, let's talk about this. It's the sport of kings, better than diamond rings. That's why we're here to sing football. Football. <laughs> Sunday in oh, the snow, with whistle blows, weekend warriors toe to toe. What that? Football. This is the first thing you hear in the movie. <laughs> This is the song that introduces us to the film. That is LL Cool J. Who then randomly shows up again as, I think, maybe actually LL Cool J. He's billed as rapper. Yeah, I was about to say, the movie says he's rapper. But it's it's like it's his song and he's doing it at not even prom, not even like some kind of, just like a celebration for the football team. Yeah, in the gym. And then they do it again at the end of the movie in yep. a 85 Bears spoof style. Yeah. Like everybody yeah. gets a little <laughs> rap. And then like Goldie, Goldie Hawn is like, doesn't yeah. understand. Like it's like a joke. She, She's like football, she just, you know. And then she, she, she finally. understand rhythm and rap. <laughs> until she finally starts like beatboxing at the end. Uh, like what is this? This is so. Okay. Right. Basketball, right? The song, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Yeah. Oh like, my god! <laughs> right. 
Basket. My favorite sport. Yeah. yeah. I like the way they dribble up and down the court, right? Like that makes sense, right? Like that is, and they're playing basketball. Like that's the hook. It's not a great song. Doesn't really serve a lot of purpose, but like was a big breakout song. People enjoyed it, all that stuff. Um, But this song, one, like I don't, like it's like they paid LL Cool J but maybe not enough because I don't so, think he finished the hook because he gets a, like the football is off key and like almost an afterthought. Like he remembered what he was talking so about. He, so here's the thing. I grew up with <laughs> 80s rap because I think I'm older than both of you guys. So, yeah, the actual rapping, the verses actually aren't the typical 80s verses. Right. They're fine. I don't know if. LL Cool J's hook was making fun of Goldie Hawn, or if Goldie Hawn is making fun of LL Cool J's hmm. I don't know what came first. Um, yeah. And also, it annoyingly feels like a precursor to I Need Love, which is probably wow. one of the songs I hate most in this planet. I've never liked that song. <laughs> like, Soft LL, I, I, I hate it, and it's what football feels like, that hook. It's like he's testing his voice yeah. out. But it's like they they lead off with it as if it's like yeah we're gonna like we're gonna get you hyped for this movie <laughs> like listen to Hello Cool J and seemingly I mean it's nineteen eighty six but like he doesn't I don't think he mentions any black football players in his he though he goes back into the archive I was like where's Jim Brown like so where I think he is like, like Nitrate Lane the, he mentions a f- even OJ at this point would be he like he OJ, does, yeah does he mention OJ okay. Mm-hmm. I was like, Wait. maybe Simpson doesn't rhyme with anything that he. <laughs> I mean, he basically mentions every player in the history of football. So that's the <laughs> other part. Like he's going back. He went back to like look the helmet days. The beginning yeah, of so football. It's, yeah, it's weird. Um, I mean, when you, whenever you do those songs, it can even go back to basketball. It's really how do I make these names rhyme? That's the whole. Right. That's the whole oh, song. He doesn't say OJ. He doesn't say OJ. Sorry, he doesn't. Are you looking uh, up the lyrics to football? <laughs> I am looking up the lyrics to football rap by LL Cool J. Well, here's here's we'll do a little behind the scenes up front. This is a song that for some reason they had LL Cool J do for this movie that doesn't appear on the soundtrack to this movie and was never released as an actual song. Right. So it literally only exists in the movie of Wildcats and literally in the movie of Wildcats. In the movie. You'll never you'll never hear it unless you fire up a copy of Wildcats. Do we know why? And I don't know. I mean that's what's wild about it because it's like it's LL Cool J. So that's like a selling point specifically for a soundtrack. Like Isn't that like a huge get? Wouldn't you think that's like a huge and he's in the movie? You yeah. hear that song. Unless he's like actually so here's the deal. I'll do it. But you just could never really like. I could totally see exactly. Russell Simmons stepping in, like, "Nah, we can't. It. This can't be the thing that you're known for. Like, you're, you're, if this comes out, yeah. you're done." Right. Well, his first <laughs> album comes out in '85, and right. not even like early '85. But like, when does he do? For a year. When does Wild Style? Is Wild Style '85 as well, or is that? I think that's Wild Style is '83, '84. I think. Okay, so then he's. I mean, he's already like been he's in a known. movie. Yeah, like he's. You know, that's I don't know that that was just the thing that stood out to me is like they they hit it multiple times throughout the film 
as if it's supposed to be like the moment where you're like, yeah, like, right. <laughs> like I'm real pumped <laughs> up for this song. And like you're saying, like the rap rap part is like, that's cool. Like LL Cool J can rap, like he's rapping. the sure. rap. But then like the hook is just like, he set the song in without a hook. And they're like, LL, can you like add something to this part? And he was like, football. All right, right. there you go. <laughs> you it. It, it, it almost sounds like. He's saying it and he's shrugging. Right. Like it's a question, like, right? Like, like football? Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if it's like a placeholder or something. Maybe someone else is supposed to go in there at some point. I don't. Possibly. It's just such niggas. a bizarre. That's what it's supposed to go. Like, it's like, <laughs> niggas. No, it's, no, it's terrible. I'm sorry. Uh, I apologize for well, well, let's let's get into this movie because, Shane, you said before we you know, got on our, our football trip that you don't think it's a white savior film. And I, I'd like to hear more about that. I, so I think... This is this might be one of the few white usury movies, if that if that's the way I want to phrase it. Because Goldie Hawn <laughs> uses these kids, it, all she does is use them. Mm-hmm. Like we have, if you think about, it, if we go through the entire movie, we have no sense that the kids are any better off than they were beforehand. Oh no, they're all they're yeah. all terrible. Oh, yeah. To the extent, I guess Bird yeah, to the extent, and maybe not just gets for a Goldie, scholarship. Nipsey also, the coach yeah. on the opposing team comes to the school and says, "I think for her, these kids are failing." Nipsey mm, literally right. says, we don't have computers for me to check, balls up the grades in his face and throws it away. <laughs> At no point are we actually checking for these kids. Olihan's proving no. a point right. on the back of these kids. Nipsey just wants a yep. winning team. Like, I have no sense that the kids are any better off. Like, no. they're still not going to class. They're still committing felonies in theory. I don't know. Right. Um, we're not sure if Wesley Snipes is it might be a predator or not. Like there's a lot going on. He's here. going to jail for sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's the 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 scene where she uh well is it when she wins the game or something like that or it's like there's a shot of Goldie Hawn where she's like being cheered on by the whole team and it's like a really close right. up shot. Yeah. And then like Wesley Snipes is like put one on, yeah, put yeah, one on yeah, my cheek. Exactly. Give me a kiss on the cheek right here. Come on baby, come on baby, give me a kiss on the cheek. I'm like, "You are 17, my nigga. What are you that's a grown also, woman. I'm not even sure that Goldie Hawn is a good coach. Nope. So she saw the movie getting all her father's old plays. So it's not even mm-hmm. like she's right, coming up with right, her own right. playbook. And then the players, after she convinces them to be a team, which, by the way, we have to talk about the whole jazz. She doesn't want to do jazzercise, but she has yeah, to do a jazzercise no. during practice. We got to get into yes. that. Um, <laughs> the, the team doesn't get their playbook until the second game. Yep. Yeah. And they don't know the yeah. place. They go she on the field and they're just like, coach. "What is that?" And these and these kids are just like they're all still in Cabrini Green when she leaves. Yeah. Well, because the thing is, she convinces Bird to come back on the team with the enticement of you may get a scholarship, which one from where? Like at yeah, most, just, you're going to like a D two right. school possibly, but it's also like you, from what I understand of Bird's situation. He isn't gonna graduate right. from high school, Bruh, I, I bet like they're gonna have to take back that championship trophy eligible? because that nigga stole for like the first half of the season. How, we don't even know what grade he's in. How is he eligible? We don't know what he's grade anybody man. is in. Everybody for the first half of the movie, right? Like they don't tell you anything about his mm-hmm. character. He's just sitting in the stands in a trench coat, you know, like betting on <laughs> selling watches, betting on practice, basically. Yeah, he's got one girl who's always with him, giving him a massage, and then like he is betting on what's going to happen at practice with yes. people 
And I was like, this is an adult. I don't know why high he's here watching wait, wait, wait. high school football. Man, high schoolers <laughs> don't wear trench coats. I don't care what decade you're talking about. That never happened. Not like never that. Been a thing. Yeah, like he looks like he's gonna flash right. somebody. Um, yeah. You know what I mean? And so he's Real. he. And then when you find out that he is the the ex quarterback of the team, it doesn't make quarterback sense. Too. Yeah. But it's just a whole, like, that's everybody's character arc, right? Because nobody, I think like you're saying, Shane, nobody here is really anything more than a caricature. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it's really just Goldie Hawn's movie. And it's one of these movies where they try to fit so many different things in on top of things. Where it's like, first it's oh, a movie wow. about her trying to live up to her father's legacy and, like, coach football. But then it's a movie about her for, like, a brief second and, like, helping these kids get like turn their lives around and like, you know, become a team. But then it goes back to being about her proving that she belongs. Mm-hmm. And then it's about mm-hmm. her, her, her maintaining custody of her yep. kids uh, for a good yeah. portion of it. And then mm-hmm. it goes, finally goes back to her proving men wrong. Uh, but like, it's such a weird because it's, I was thinking about this before, right? Like, cause we've done, we did sunset park, which is, kind of a similar movie and then i i would i would argue that it even follows the same beats and then minus the custody shit there's eddie which is another movie by the way i'm sorry woman i love eddie (laughs) i every time eddie's on i have a blast it's probably the best of these films but it because i i was thinking about just like the 80s tropes of all of those and like the 80s were i think people sometimes forget like there was the fascination about women working Mm -hmm. like in general, in general, like just women going to work was like a thing that people couldn't wrap their heads around. And even more so like women working in areas that men typically dominated. And so there was a lot of films and comedies about, Oh, isn't it crazy? This woman is like doing a man's job. You know, literally (laughs) Goldie Hawn stars in another one of these movies. Probably the same fucking thing. (laughs) Yeah. And so it's like, this is kind of near like the end of, well, cause, but then, you know, Eddie is a little bit later. You know what I mean? So like, maybe this is kind of towards the beginning of this. this, I think this might be the first one of those then. This might be Um, around there. Yeah. Well, private Benjamin is 1980. So she'd been on that, on that, for a minute <laughs> but it, it feels like that that was it like that was what they had it was like wouldn't it be funny if goldie Hawn coached football mm-hmm. yeah the end like that's we, we don't have anything else but like maybe just put her in there she'll be around because like you're saying these kids don't change like they don't learn anything and this time that they have to become like feminist and she needs to hand out like bell hooks <laughs> like the will to change and they like have a revelation character is going to need it because he's trying to get a white woman kiss that whole movie bro but it's like <laughs> they at the end of the film i think like you, you're correct shane in that none of them none of them are the only person better off is goldie yeah. like everybody else has either stayed exactly where they were or taken a step backwards and so she's like celebrated for doing yeah. it I guess she did it. She won a championship. She proved them wrong. Nipsey Russell, I guess, also now has a championship at his high school and sold all the peanut brittle. And so I guess. And real quick to backtrack, (laughs) because Goldie Hawn doesn't entice Bird to play for a scholarship. They're in a dumpster. Oh, she blackmails them. Yeah, Yeah. she's in a dumpster and says, I will scream because the police are at the corner. 
you're yeah, a, you're right. a black you're right. you're kid right. in a dumpster with a white woman, and the white woman screaming. That's a threat. Yeah. <laughs> there. That's that's not. I want to make your life better. Play for me, no. or you have a felony. Right. That's and he's kind of like up like bird. I mean, you want to end up like yourself, honestly. And well, and, and he's like, hey, that's kind of fucked up. And she looks at him like. Yep. What you gonna do, nigga? Right. <laughs> you wanna get out of this dumpster? You in a dumpster, bro? Yo, it's and the whole—it's either here or jail. Well, and the whole previous segment of that, right? If we rewind back to the very beginning, she, every black person in this movie is some kind of stereotype, right? She meets, hell yeah, his plug, I guess, or whoever the guy who's selling the hubcaps. I'm not quite sure what his relationship is oh to Bird. But he's this mm-hmm. old Chicago type guy who's just got all the. He's in a room literally filled with hubcaps. He's just in a room full of hubcaps, trying to get her to buy, and like, I think actually finally convinces her to buy hubcaps for sixty five. No, no, wait, wait, not, not just sixty five. Uh, sixty five dollars installed. I didn't know you installed yeah. hubcaps. I guess so. <laughs> that was the part know. they got me too. Uh, but, like you grab a hammer and you bang them on, and that's it. <laughs> not rims. <laughs> well, because well, it's like. The insinuation is that this is one of Bird's many hustles yeah. where I guess he steals hubcaps and brings them to this guy. Right. Uh, yeah. So then she she goes on to this pool hall where everybody is trying to rape her, basically. <laughs> like when she walks yeah. in, like every man looks at her and is like, you're not getting out of here. And she's like <laughs> laughing it off. And it's like, ha ha. And then sees Bird leaving. And then it's just like. She ceases to be an adult of any kind because she's talking to Bird and his two constituents and they're like, yo, let's get this lady to drive us over to steal these TVs. (laughs) And they're like, yeah, we need to go to our mother's house, which is like, yeah, I mean, your car broke down. You need to go to your mom's house. You're in Chicago. Take the L. Take a bus. Take a cab. (laughs) Like, why do I have to drive you there? No. But then she like goes there and then they're like on the roof of her car because they can't they can't get in with the key, which is another red flag. But then they like start climbing on her car and they're like, yeah, oh, no, we're just going to climb in through the window because my grandma or my mom needs her like house coat because she's in the hospital. Right. And then she's like, no, don't stand on the top of my car. I'll do it. And it's not until she literally looks in the window filled with TVs that she's like, oh, so (laughs) if we're giving this movie any credit, here's why we'll give it some credit. There are just as many white tropes as there are black tropes mm. because there's not an intelligent white character in the entire movie. In the whole movie. Not the lawyer, yeah. not Everybody Molly, does not a the husband, thing. not, the, ex, not no. the new wife, the kid. It's all of yeah. us. Everybody's feel, a goofball. I feel Except bad for the for kids, her. maybe. Yeah, I, f- I kind of felt bad for a new wife because she like clearly was not enjoying that marriage. Question, uh, <laughs> by the way, question about New Wife. And I, I'm, 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 well, actually, mm-hmm. I, might, I don't know if I'm skipping ahead or not. Are we going to talk about oh, the bathtub scene? Oh, sure. Yeah. yeah let's talk about yeah, it. Yeah, let's get that out of the way. How about that? So <laughs> let's do this in first person. I have my new wife, and I'm going to my mm-hmm. ex wife's house. Mm-hmm. I yep. tell my ex wife, go chill in the dining room with the kids. I'm going to go into the bathroom with my naked ex-wife who's in the tub to have a conversation mm-hmm. with her. I'm going to close the door. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, not, and I'm in the next room. Yeah. In what world? How? 
What? And yeah, on and, top of all that, and after then, the conversation, Goldie Hawn walks out the bathroom naked with the towel just in front of her. So it's clear. It's in front of her, by the way. Oh. It, it, this is all but, egregious, by the but way. Before all that, egre- before that, she says, style. she says, Frank, hand me a towel. And she puts the towel on in her the tub. in the bathtub. In the tub. <laughs> Soaking wet towel. So she's covering Instantly. her body in the tub in with a towel. So when she gets up, she's holding probably a 10 pound towel let's, let's also body. let's also be like very clear for the listeners who have not seen this movie it is an egregious 80s boob scene she is yeah. in the bathtub no, not just boob it's and, full at first the first shot yeah yeah the well the first shot is like neck up mm-hmm. so yeah. it could be you know smooth sailing from then on but then the next shot is just like egregious she's just full frontally yeah. nude in the bathtub and he goes in there and he sees her right then he hands her the towel, the soaking wet towel. And then the shot stays neck up, but we still see that the towel is like in the tub. Capital D damp. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and and then and then on top of it, when she stands up, this towel has been soaking in this dirty tub the whole time. She stands up and like tucks it between her legs <laughs> while she stands fully nude in front of the camera, like for everyone to see. And I'm just like, what was the point of any of the trajectory of these so shots. So can I answer right? that question? Because then the ex- and, oh, and this is the other part that bugs me out about the 80s. The beauty standards of the 80s, because the only reason to do that shot is to give you some wow. Yeah. And yep. I got to be careful here. Goldie Hawn, there's no wow. <laughs> like... There's uh, not yeah, a lot there's, going there's on. There's not a lot of wow there. There's not a lot going on. Like in like in the big <laughs> movie, she's got on these short gray shorts, and we're supposed to be. Yeah. There's a lot of. There's a lot of. There's a lot she, of. She uh, runs outfit the. She runs that happening. track in a wet. Sh- she runs the track in a wet. Yeah. There's, yeah. there's a lot of th- options. There's a lot of decisions being made that were supposed to be enticing, and I'm sh- and I know for a fact they were in the '80s, and I look back now and I'm just like, why? Wow. We, we we thought well, that was the thing. It's this interesting. is what we did it yeah. for. Well, because we she did is, it for that. She is in the she is in the line of American girl, yes. girl next door, kinda. It's her and then Meg Ryan sure. comes next, and then you know, sure. like it yes. continues. But it's this movie is so interesting because nobody's gonna confuse Wildcats for a feminist manifesto. No. But like <laughs> the movie is supposedly so it's supposed to be an empowering story. Mm-hmm. Of this woman doing things that men tell her she yeah. can't do. And yet, at every turn, the movie is sexualizing her. And Boom. then she is being like leered at by every man in existence that she comes multiple, across. You know multiple what I mean? scenes, she comes in a room and everyone's staring at her. And it's like, not sometimes it's supposed to be like in the pool hall, it is supposed to be a little bit like, oh, this is kind of gross. Blurry. But then other yeah. times it's supposed to be like, this is funny, and most of them are with Wesley Snipes, who in the film <laughs> is a 17-year-old kid. So we're sexualizing Wesley Snipes, who is sexualizing mm-hmm. Goldie Hawn. And it's like, let's just talk about Wesley Snipes' whole arc for a second. First of all, the arc is flat. Out, There's no arc. No. <laughs> it's a line. It's well, a he line. starts out, because when she first comes into the locker room on her first day as a coach, after being chased by dogs, she comes in, mm-hmm. and she's ready to coach, and, like, there's this whole build-up, like, the music is playing, like, it's this real, like, she's gonna go in here and do it, and then all of the kids are standing there with no pants mm-hmm. on, 
right? Helmets over their dicks. And then, like, she's like, uh, okay, let's go play football. And they, like, they all raise their helmets. So they're all fully nude in front of her, which is, like, all kinds of violations. Um, and then, and then, but it like, it seems like it's Wesley Snipes idea, right? It seems like this was the joke that he was like, Hey, let's do, this will be funny if we do this to coach. So then she comes out onto the field and multiple kids make insinuations that they want to sleep with her. Like not even like, um, you know, like you're pretty cute for a coach. It's like nice tits, nice tits. (laughs) (laughs) What? (laughs) By the way, and and also like to further like not really help this feminist ideal going on in this movie. Every pass made at her, she never really like a hundred percent says, "Hey, fucking right. stop." <laughs> it's well, always brushed off. Every every pass is like, "Guys, come on." Although, well, although so weird. this goes back to what I was saying before. We have to be careful about putting our present sensibilities in the eighties movie because. Even to some degree now, if she if she says sure, "fuck sure. off," she's done. Yeah, like the the op. So we have to the option for her to say "go to hell" doesn't really exist. It's, might not exist now. Definitely doesn't exist in the eighties. If you're trying to be the first woman football coach, yeah, I, I guess well, so. Uh, y- yes means yes, and no means right. maybe. Well, and in the world of Are this you movie, a different world in, the, now? in the world, <laughs> in the world of this movie, and the world of of Goldie Hawn, the It Girl, right? Like she's so, you're supposed to feel like you can get Goldie Hawn, right? Like she is like yes. the approachable, mm-hmm. like you know. So if she's in a movie and men are staring at her and she's like, "Fuck you, don't," you know, that's kind of like going against again, strangely part of the thing of the movie, which is like, yeah, but you want to sleep with Goldie Hawn, right? So like, you know, you get it. Right. <laughs> so, like you're Just seeing... like that. Just like that. But again, equal opportunity seeing... because they could have very easily made all the white men in this movie civilized and all the black Latino no. yeah. kids be animals. Everybody with a penis in this movie is an animal. For sure. Yeah. Except for maybe Bird? But he's still kind of getting massaged and doing all kinds of other misogynistic stuff on the side, too. So, anyways, like, what's he I would say the the husband. The husband is the only non-man because he's, like, sort of emasculated. I guess. Over and over. How emasculated you can be when you can walk into your ex-wife's bathroom while she's butt naked and your wife's in the living room. That's that's some high-level pimp shit. (laughs) Yeah. Speaking of, of... just high level weird stuff. So then, like, because let's just talk about all the things that Wesley Snipes does. Wesley Snipes, then, when Marion, the new wife, comes to the house for the party, immediately corners her and is like, let's, oh, yeah. let's go fuck, more or less. I, like, let's go upstairs what's the quote? right now. I think the quote, is, the quote is grosser. What's, oh man. Um, I'm sure it's something uh, about his penis. I don't know. What I do know oh, is yeah, that it's his. Bad probably is one only act of actual sexual assault in the movie everything else is innuendo <laughs> and suggestion that was actual assault he pinned her to the wall yeah he grabs her yeah grabs her and pins her on the wall for like minutes like in the world of the yeah. movie like everybody else is gone inside the scene, yeah. and and talking and doing all this stuff and it's not until frank turns around and realizes oh, hey. that he stops. it's like basically this close to putting his tongue down his wife's right. throat you know that like anything happens and so she's basically like written off in that sense then it what is arguably the most egregious scene of the movie that wasn't it right they had 
No, well, because here's the thing that I'm, I'm, I just can't wrap my head around. Like we talked about before we came on, Wesley Snipes wants to fuck everything mm-hmm. and anybody. If you, if you move, you got a vagina. <laughs> he wants to be up in that. So Molly is having this, and and like you said, I don't know if Molly's a good coach, right, Shane? I don't know if she's a good mom either because she's very negligent with her children Ooh, throughout the film. Yeah. But they're having this big party at the school. This is where LL Cool J is rapping. <laughs> and somebody has spiked the punch, as they do in these mm-hmm. films. And so, like, the oldest daughter is just, like, gone, right? She's had multiple punches. She's, like, sloshing around this wait, party. Wait, wait, wait. You didn't... The somebody is the daughter. Wait, she spiked She it? spiked... She oh, spikes I guess. the well, punch. She spikes... Well, she spikes the punch and just... I goes spikes the whole punch and... Yeah. Yeah, she spikes the punch, and it's literally like she pours it, and the next shot sure. is her looking at it. Yeah, well, she's going in on that, whatever right. she put in there. Uh, and uh, and she like gets approached by Wesley Snipes, who's like, "Oh my god, like you're this close to just passing out in the middle of the party. Like we need to get you home." So Wesley Snipes and his girlfriend take the the daughter back to Goldie Hawn's house, tuck her in, lay her in the bed, go downstairs. Like and, they tuck her ass in, and instead of and they're like, we should wait here until Coach comes back, right? And so, like, instead of doing what teenagers probably do, they might make out a little bit, maybe there's a little bit of groping, whatever. They're like, we should fuck on the couch, right here on the couch. Coach While can come the home. Daughter's upstairs. Co- daughter's upstairs, passed out. Coach can come home at any minute. And we should just full on do it right here on the couch. And so Coach comes home. It's like a race between like husband. Goldie Hawn and her ex and her ex husband. They both come in and like they're in the process of zipping up their pants and putting their clothes back on. And it's just like, in what world did you think that not only was that a good idea, <laughs> but like the worst case scenario, right? Like. Somebody who's not Goldie Hawn comes home, and now right. you're just fucking in the this white woman's house while the daughter's upstairs. You know what I mean? Like all yeah. kinds of things could have gone wrong. You drove there, wait until Goldie <laughs> Hawn comes home, and then go in the car. You know I, mean? I expect better from the aunt from the yes, Jamie Fox thank show. you. <laughs> no, but she, she I expect she was better. okay. The one that set it off, she was. Yeah, no, she, she was like, yeah, she is like literally laying on the couch, like, come on, baby, and like. <laughs> Legs spread, arms open. Come on in. Yeah. And then when he's a character witness at at Goldie Hawn's uh, like custody custody trial, his 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 uh, like character witness statement is, "Hey, judge, let's go back to your chambers and like I'll diddle you a little bit, and maybe will that get her off? (laughs) Will that that get you off and her off? (laughs) You know what I mean? It's just like it's supposed, and and that one's supposed to be a joke." Right. That was supposed to be, to be like funny, but all of it's just like that's his character arc. Is I am maybe one day gonna rape somebody. <laughs> you... Ain't no maybe. So should at laugh the about end it? of this movie. At the end of this movie, when they freeze frame on Wesley Snipes' character, it was like, and he raped somebody. Right. I thought they were gonna be like, where are they now? And Wesley Snipes in, in jail. For... <laughs> yeah, do the joyful, do the the Twister and Faith yeah. Evans song. Yeah. The hopeful song. So wait, going real back real quick to Goldie Hawn and being and her parenting. That Goldie Hawn's parenting is gentle parenting run amok. Mm-hmm. As a yeah. as a 
father and a black man who's now in my mind gentle parenting my son and daughter and we're figuring out how that works and trying to you know and generational shit when Goldie Hawn's daughter dyes her hair and is upset because mom isn't upset and mom is like well I didn't want to come off upset because I didn't want to you know spoil your expression and it's like you gotta cool out like yo you're wilding like that's not real at all <laughs> at all she looks like the guy from flock of seagulls went through the right. dryer like what's going on i didn't on? want to say anything because no stop it and between that the little girl saying something something motherfucker or something yeah. during the party that motherfucker like that it it makes me mad <laughs> it, it it upset me because i realized like this is the worst scenario of what my parenting could possibly be. <laughs> like it's it. This is what you could yield. You could yield bad haircuts and potty mouth seven years. Yeah, it's it's a it, it was, yeah, it was this notion of like I'm going to gentle parent you before we knew what that phrase was, and it was all, all the reasons that it could just go absolutely wrong. Well, at a certain point though, she's got to tighten up, right? Like, I mean, she she sees what's going on. She's out here. I don't know how much time she's actually spending coaching these kids because she's spending. If you believe the movie, as much time partying with them as she is coaching right. them. Coaching so, them. like, it's, it's a lot of weird, like, hard to... Because she comes home, right, in the in the scene where the daughter dies her hair, she comes home and she's like, I'm going to cook you dinner. And the girl and her friend are like, we're going to go to the library, which I wasn't sure if they were literally right. going to the library. It sounded but like also, they were going to girl, the girl's mom was picking, up, picking them up. So they were actually going to go... Picking Allegedly. Them either, yeah. So maybe it was one, but maybe it was like a bait right. switch. Allegedly, like, right. I don't know. To if the that's... library, and then she goes down the block to the club. You know, something was going on. She had the she had whatever she had in that flask, I guess, Cameron. But <laughs> you know, and the tattoo. Maybe that apparently? maybe that black. <laughs> but also the, the maybe the she was hanging around are... too many of the black uh, teammates. But also the oldest daughter is a brat because they're in week two of the season. Oh yeah, oh yeah. It hadn't been that long. Yeah, it had been two weeks. That's true. Well, cause it, they, it they set it up. They set like, it up with out. the scene where they went, where they they win a game, or they no, they lose a game, and she's running off the field, and her daughters are alone. Like it's just them two mm-hmm. in the stands, literally nobody else around them, and they're waving to her, and she doesn't see them because I maybe she was like, well, nobody was in the stands, right. so I don't know why my daughters who somebody dropped them off, they got there somehow. But that's kind of the impetus of like mom doesn't love us anymore because she didn't see us at the football game. She's so obsessed with football. But it's it's also just like because isn't her sister? I don't know if she's living with her, but she's definitely around enough. Around, around. I think not a living, lot. But she's actually she's around a lot for the first like two acts of this right. movie, and yeah, then and she's, she's just nowhere to be found forever. I guess Wesley Sipes didn't make a pass at her. I didn't. I no, don't remember yeah, that part. Right. So maybe, maybe there wasn't enough time <laughs> to get. Sorry, <laughs> like. Yeah. So the other hard part about this movie is we're supposed to hate the ex-husband, but he's not wrong mm-hmm. either. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, that's why I was yeah. like, he's a bitch. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? And you can he's certainly hate him yeah. for that. He's like, but he's not yeah. wrong about her not being good at. He's being like, a my parent. daughter's. Dr- you've been at this job for two weeks. My daughter's been drunk. <laughs> She's dyed her hair. We've had. I've walked in on a part. First of all, there's no coach, anybody who's having all the players to the house for a party. And the principal of and school, the principal of school who comes in after the fact. Between the alcohol and all, like, yeah, we got to figure, like, you know. 
Even the Joe's like, were the eighties really like this? Were they just just ransacking <laughs> just niggas just not paying attention? Everybody's just like, there's booze at the party with the so, with minors. Okay, Fuck so it, so go. I will say this because I am I grew up in the eighties. Somewhere there exists of me a picture at two years old. I have a, my own seven ounce Budweiser, and I'm just walking around chilling. Nice. Uh, for the <laughs> listeners at home, he's holding a red stripe right yeah. now. <laughs> <laughs> this is what happens. Um, the 80s were wild. Like, in terms of parenting, the 80s were wild. Like, I would go out for hours and hours and hours. No cell phone. This is all before all this stuff. And mm-hmm. it was a streetlight thing. When the streetlights came on, that was your signal to come home. So, yes. That's fair. Yeah. Mm-hmm. More than gentle parenting, it was free-range parenting. Right. And again, I yeah, grew up in yeah. the party house. Like, folks came to my house to drink and dance and everything else. I, sure. serve, I used to serve my aunt vodka and milk cocktails as a child. It wasn't until I was an adult that I realized well, the milk... The white I didn't Russians. realize until I was an adult why she wanted the milk. And it was to coat her stomach so she can keep drinking. Oh, yes. Wow. So there's a, there's, a, there's a context to everything that's happening in this movie that's actually kind of realistic. She's still a terrible mom. But, but not but, not <laughs> Nipsey Russell being at the party being like, yeah, let's get these kids drunk. No. Well, by I'm the way, liable. Nipsey Russell, one of the most like <laughs> lewdest comedians. Oh, he's is, black is, in this movie too. He's very he's, 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 he's a nigga. He's here. <laughs> he's here. Well, I ain't want to say it, but <laughs> he's here just like he I has am the voice of reason. Well, but also again, like we were saying, when they come in with the grades, like he's just like this school is barely hanging on by the peanut brittle. You know what I mean? I'm just here trying my best to get these kids. Like the first scene where they, where she meets him, like he immediately goes outside and breaks up a fight between two kids. And so it's like, yeah. he's, he's on that, you know, like I, I have to make sure these kids get out of here mm-hmm. alive every day. So like <laughs> the earlier draft of the script, when she came into the office, he was like, I'm running this motherfucking school on peanut brittle. <laughs> the fuck you think is going on? Oh, yeah, because when the opposing coach well, comes in and says something about the grades, like, I'll check the computers to see about their grades. We're going to computers in two years. Right. You know what I mean? It's right right a combination and, of we're and, poor and I don't give a fuck. And, and I don't fuck with you. <laughs> so, like, he's he's very much early on kind of positioned as, like, not necessarily Goldie Hans like, opposition but he is kind of like on her but then once they start winning he's like hey all right hey what do you, gravy, baby. What no, do you legit, need? the only thing he didn't want was bird yeah bird was right. the only thing he was like eh, let's not because he's like a confirmed criminal right. everybody else yeah. is just like trying to sleep with the coach. he said we have a hate hate well, relationship yeah well let's talk about bird too because like what a weird he's he is the only student and player who gets anything resembling a character mm-hmm. arc in the movie. Yes. And it really is just that middle section yeah. where, you know, we, we learn that he is for reasons we don't know. We don't know why he's turned to crime. We don't know why he quit the football team originally besides, but we didn't sucks, see a mom or his dad. So I'm going to assume that has something. We didn't see him. a mom or a dad. He was, <laughs> he when she goes to his home, there is your prototypical badass black right. kid who like says, fuck off and then closes the door on her as he should seemingly if he's home alone this random white what, woman has come he to stopped her house. foot yeah he stopped her foot she could be the cops though the he doesn't know who that is is goldie so, I mean, whoever raised him nothing good comes of this yeah 
it's basically Candyman <laughs> before Candyman. He knows mm-hmm. what's up. So this uh, is like our. Th- by the way, Jordan, this is our, like third, fourth visit to Cabrini Green. White on people podcast. love Cabrini Green. Right? They, they love it. Love that. Screen, white screenwriters are like, you know, where all the bad shit happened to black folks. Cabrini Green, and that's why it's gone. Yeah. R.I.P.G. Baby. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> it seems like you know she is like you were saying, trying to like she's the only one that takes an interest mm-hmm. in him and he's the only player that she takes an interest in beyond like because she's a user just general yeah but you know like she goes out of her way so far out of her way literally puts her life presumably in danger is what the movie wants mm-hmm. you to believe by going to recruit <clears throat> them and he's fine mm-hmm. you know what i mean like compared <laughs> to the other players i guess he is better than them but he's like all right, like they're presenting him like he's Warren Moon or like he's like changing football, he's running and passing and doing all this shit. But I mean, the football we haven't really talked about this, but like this football is clearly being played by the actors, like it is yeah. not yes. done Jesus. by anybody who knows how football works. The way that they're running with the football, the way that they're throwing Every field the football goal was just like <laughs> what we, the one step <laughs> kick that that what that weird little yeah, yeah. it's all bad. I mean, Goldie Hawn kicks the like goal. neighborhood games. Yeah, yeah. Well, they're playing. They're playing football, allegedly in the warehouse field. Mm-hmm. Like they are just like yeah. a, a old factory closed down, and there was just a a, a green space nearby. <laughs> they turned it to a football field. They put goal <laughs> no, no, no. It was actually a brown space. A it was like all dirt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is a brown space when we first see it, and then it's like it's been greened. Which can't games. be regulation because if you're playing, you know, because they're going to all of these like allegedly like better schools, mm-hmm. right? Who for right. no reason would they play this school, nor would they play them at their so, home? Like you have to go to their field to play. That's them. the thing too. You play the Every other inner city black schools. Home game. Yeah, they, they never, never played, played anywhere else. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody's coming there to play you. That's part of why these teams are in the position that they're in because every time they want to play ranks mm-hmm. you know schools in competition like they have to they literally in high school sports these schools will pay you the poor mm-hmm. school to come and play them so mm-hmm. they can get mm-hmm. a win on their schedule that's how that works so like the fact that all these schools were coming to their school to play them imagine coming to their school and getting waxed what i would be right. i would be hot yeah <laughs> I came here and got and got the work from. It's not even that Goldie Hawn is the coach, but like this team sucked last year. Like they won maybe right. they one won one game, game because the right. team's that, bus yeah. broke down. They won one game, and right. now the, and now you're running me off the field. Like something Bam. something's gone horribly wrong. That's where this I would have questions. Been... Period. Right. If I'm an opposing coach, I would say, okay, wait a minute. It can't just be Goldie Hawn is here now and they're suddenly. The juggernaut of Chicago but, public high school. Here's the subtext like, of this also. Every team that they played is all white. All yeah. white. Yep. So this but this means can can I say niggas on here? I'm saying niggas on here. Oh, please. Oh yeah. <laughs> if we give the niggas some direction, they can beat everybody. The niggas were good. They just didn't have any direction. Yeah. They didn't know how to because they couldn't right. read a playbook. Right. Bird yeah. was no, wasn't even Bird. Um Woody's character was the only one who knew how to call Woody a play. And it's like, we yeah. don't know how to speak. And the rest of the players no, are no, so no. confused at he, him. The one the players said, we don't speak code. We don't know how to speak code. <laughs> Can you just tell us what to yeah. do? 
Oh no! And then his and then uh, he like draws it yeah, out. Like, you go this way. Yeah, he drew you, it yeah. out on his chest, and then he said, "Or right. a whore." So like, I'm gonna say a word that'll get right. y'all paying attention, and then we can yes. call a hike. I'm like, that's which they completely. That was just a Woody Harrelson joke that they abandon once Bird becomes quarterback. Like right. he right. doesn't do that anymore. Uh, and it's weird too because Woody Harrelson then switches to in today what I assume would be fullback. Halfback. Yeah. Because he's not like halfback. Who's the what, running what back? The, what is the what is the uh, who does what, what does everybody on this team do? <laughs> so Bird's running back. <laughs> right, Bird's running back. Um, Wesley is a what receiver. Is types? Um, what is Peanut? Pe- which one? Peanut is receiver. Um, Carrillo is which one? Oh, the Carrillo was. Uh, he's what? a lineman. Is he an offensive line? Tight end. He was, he was like a, a no. He was end. a lineman because Finch ends up taking over for him. Finch, yeah. So he's a lineman, which didn't make any sense because he's small. Yeah. He's so small, and he gets replaced by the biggest guy yes. you've ever seen. And then Bird is Bird's the quarterback. quarterback. So they only they really only deal with the, the skill position. <laughs> like most movies, because offensive like linemen yeah. don't count. Well, movies. and then and then one of one of the Hispanic kids is the kicker who and they don't speak English, yes. so they have to change. Because at one point everything. she says, if you kick oh you make this God. extra point, all the women in the world will love you. Yeah. It's an extra point. In the third quarter. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the football stakes in this movie are very yeah. low until we get to the to the last game of the yeah. season, which, of course, then everything just kicks into overdrive. But it's like, oh my God. I think there's there's two more scenes that I want to talk about in detail. And that is one, what you, see, you brought up earlier, Shane, where out of no, so like she's, she's coaching them, she's doing all this stuff. And then they have this montage. <laughs> Where they just start dancing, <laughs> like that's the tr- that's the train, yes. you know what I mean? And it's just like not even like dancing, like haha, you know, like we're having fun. It's like a choreographed routine a, that she's doing, doing the with them. Yes, they are hands yeah. on like the knees. They were doing a thriller forward. choreography. Yes, and the, and the two yes. steps forward and with the hands up, they were doing yes. the thriller choreography. And it's not even like. I'm doing this because this is going to somehow make you better football players. Right. This isn't Lin Swan but taking like, ballet classes. Yeah. Right, 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 this right, was just right, like right. something to do. Like it was just such a weird, like, cause if I'm on the team, I'm just like, this is, this is helping me, you I'm know? Cause why? I'm like, why? This isn't like in camp. There's yeah. one week to the game. <laughs> this isn't a bonding thing. So we can, and, we're playing on we're playing on Friday. We're doing this on Wednesday. It's Wednesday. <laughs> Instead of learning plays, like you know, running through drills, doing stuff like that, because they mix it in with like some football yes. drills, but most of it is just dancing. The dancing and like in a way that it's it's almost turns into like a musical segment where like you know I was suspecting like jazz hands and like. All kinds of other stuff. Because then, well, this isn't that. Because then there's another scene. I think it may be the championship game where somebody literally is spinning on their head and breaking. Yes, as a touchdown celebration. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so it's just like they turn it, it turns into Beach Street real quick. But, like they're just but here's like. The, here's the other problem. It doesn't turn into Beach Street because all the music is like 80s synth pop. The oh, music man. is insane. <laughs> the only the rap we get is, is from so LL. Trash. Everything else is like Flock there's, of Seagulls. But all the music is like basically about fucking. Wait, <laughs> like all the music first is all, like all these to the lyrics. 
You did more yes. than I did. Well, the got lyrics to. got to. There's because the, there's a song. So there's a joke that she makes early on with, and we can we can circle back because I know you wanted to talk about the home ec teacher mm-hmm. thing. But like she she makes a joke. It's not even. A, it turns into a joke, but she's talking about like he doesn't even know how to get penetration. That was what was. That's what I was going to uh, bring up. Thank you. Yeah. But yeah. then later, there's a song that like the lyrics are something along the lines of like penetration, boy, penetration, and I'm just like, huh? Is this this has to be for this movie? I mean, because other, otherwise, we're, we're, what is this is an R rated comedy. Oh, very well, by the way, verse in the homoerotic nature of football it's there the pretext yeah. is there 100 subtext is there but yeah going back it's there's also there's <laughs> a lot of nut shots in this movie like from like mm-hmm. getting the ball snapped to wesley like wesley yep. thinks he's gonna ride up on goldie hans behind or yeah or rear <laughs> hips yeah what did he think he was gonna do by the way if he's even play hiking like grab some cheek i guess well, see, I don't so know. here's the thing like have you guys ever played football before yeah. Have yeah. you ever taken the ball from center? Yeah. The top yeah. of your hand is literally on the center's nuts. Yeah. So I know what yeah. Wesley thought he was about to do. Get get a little little he's he's going to get a little tickle tickle in and then get the ball. <laughs> and then he got crotch shotted. Yeah. Hey, yeah. Which I'm not sure how that yeah, happens when you're in the center, nuts. but that's all other story. Yeah, I mean, shout out to Wesley, who was fully committed to this role. I think he was like, yeah, I may never act right. again. Let me get it I, all in I 100% right now. think that's what's going on. <laughs> like, he is going in. He, he's like, I'm a scumbag. I'm a scumbag in this movie, and we're going for it. He's making all the faces. He's doing, like, the scene, like you were saying, Cameron, he mugs, where, he, yeah. where he loses the race. Like, he falls so dramatically Everybody like he's been shot. faints. <laughs> In the mud. Wait, well, he's going down in the rain like his fucking full metal jacket. <laughs> or like goddamn uh, fucking platoon, and they're just shooting him up behind him. Ah! There's also this the, the, such thing as a race of an indeterminate distance. Yeah. Oh, my God. This movie does not know things like that at all. <laughs> like, no. If you just walk, you win. Yeah. yeah. It's not hard. She didn't really specify. She was just like, whoever's the last one. And everybody and decides to run full speed. It, that's actually why I tripped over it in the five minutes because th- she's just like, if all of you make it to the end of the run, then I'll quit coaching. But if I outrun all of you, then you play the team and you respect right. me. But then yeah. they end up saying "fuck you." But yeah, you know, well, because like I, I think the thing about it is, it is one of these like she's supposed to be a positive role model figure in their lives who yeah gets them to see the possibilities of what they could be but like doesn't yeah. because she's more or less encouraging them to drink uh at a young age and like doesn't seem to really care about so let's 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 talk about finch briefly because like he's introduced as doing everyone's homework right. which she yeah at once like dismisses like she tells him to get out of here and Mm -hmm. like stay away from the team but then immediately is like yo you are somehow responsible for my player running into a locker which he seemingly does on a regular basis he starts (laughs) like don't do it like it's not gonna work yeah 
And she's like, well, now you got to play football for me. And he's like, yeah, I'm not playing unless you pay me. So he's like an early black capitalist. Like he's like, I only do things <laughs> for money. I feel like and... this is how the blind side actually went down. <laughs> yeah, I'll come and live with y'all. Right. You got to pay me. Though. You yeah, got to pay uh, me. You know, I'm not doing that for free. But then it's I'm like. I'm not just coming up in your house for free. He is at once like very much so about getting paid and like everything is like every conversation he has turns into how how much can i get for that or like do you yeah, want to make a bet right. about that or like whatever but then it's like because he's he's positioned as like very smart like he's doing everybody's mm-hmm. homework mm-hmm. i guess he's getting you a good enough to pass i don't know if you're getting an a but good enough to not fail out and like <laughs> <laughs> Which I don't even know what the fuck that right. is. What is that? I don't know. What grade is that? I'm just that? amazed everybody's mad at eight dollars for is. paper. Yeah, he yeah, seemed like you a reasonable whole price. ass paper for eight dollars. Yeah. And then and $8? then Bird is like, "Yo, I can get you like a a cassette player. I can get you, you know, some right. like watches or what." He's like, "No, I want eight right. <laughs> I think they said it was like seven dollars <laughs> and like. Seven dollars fifty, and I forget what yeah. the kicker was. It, it was it was seven, and then it was seven fifty. Yeah. seven fifty. And then like it's like he's playing, and she puts him in the game, but he's not getting paid. So he like lets the other players like go right by him and like sack the quarterback until they the players on his own team like trip him onto two other players, and then it's a fat yeah. joke because he's yeah. landed upon two people and pinned them to the ground. Uh, but it's like. He is such a weird character because one, he's literally introduced an hour into an hour forty-five minute movie and becomes a central character, like for the rest of the film. Like he is multiple yeah, yeah. scenes, right? Somehow he's the one that comes with Goldie Hawn back to her home when Wesley Snipes and yes. yeah, he's the one that stayed around, so he and can needs punch. A ride home again, yeah, wait, 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 but wait, wait, only again, so he can punch the I'm husband sorry, again. Another point to Goldie Hawn being a complete user. The back of a van doesn't have seatbelts. Right. When he says, you know, they're supposed to have seatbelts, he's holding her youngest daughter. He's holding the daughter. So yeah. if this cra- if this if this van crashes, the largest human possible is now my mm. daughter's ensconced in the largest human possible. She'll be fine. Right. <laughs> you he, he was the airbag. But... Right. See, that's that colonizer mentality. They're like, all right, <laughs> the biggest slave. I mean, slave. I mean, football player. I mean, slave. And uh, hold yeah. my child while Goldie we drive Hawn home in my dangerous not car. not give a fuck about these kids. No. No. Not once. And it's like he is. I don't understand why he continues to be on the team once Carullo comes back. Nor do I understand, like. Because it's the only place he's going to eat cake <laughs> and a deep dish pizza outdoors. Well, he walks. And, he and get walk, to read his Wall Street Journal. He walks over to the opposing side and is like, hey, if you give me money, like, I don't know what his plan was. Either I'll play for you or right. I'll tell you the plays right. or something. His whole thing was like, I don't care about this. not paying this me, so I'm just going to hang yeah. out. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm willing to play for the opposite team in the middle of the game. I'm willing to trade sides all for money. It doesn't fucking yeah, matter. And which then is the like, coach says, get out of here. And then he's like, fuck that guy. I want to fight that guy. him. I want to beat the shit out of his team. I'll so do now it. I want to play for I'll my pay, team. I'll pay you to let me play. So what that fifteen dollars? I took that as, as I took that as an MJ. I took this personal moment where MJ would mm-hmm. manufacture something to be mad about. Completely 
Right. Right. The asshole right. make him an entire story so he can motivate himself. That's for me what that yeah. was. I went to the other. I went to the but other. But you're coach. the biggest nigga on the field. How does how does no one see you on the opposite right. stands talking <laughs> right. to the coach? You're also the like, only black person over right. there. You, you bro, stick out. bro. But it also doesn't make sense why Nipsey Russell is not paying him in peanut brittle to be on the team. Like you would think that he would be. By the way, like the star player. Jokes. Yeah, missed he would be the star player because he should be in the stands just munching <laughs> peanut brittle, just like, oh my god, this is so great. If <laughs> Nipsey doesn't care about regulations, like he would not hesitate to give that kid ten dollars a game to go out there and play. And destroy the other team. Like that seems like a perfectly right. reasonable thing for him to do. So it doesn't make sense why nobody is like everybody seems to be insulted at the idea that he is doing he's the only reason these kids are even eligible to play football. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. then at once also don't realize that he is because that's literally the plot of the blind side. It's like this nigga is so big. <laughs> he's so big. Look he has him. to play like, football. They are There's literally no... staring out the window at him on a basketball court, like, look at that Negro. Look at that Negro. He's so big. He so like that, that seems like the the mentality of a lot of these places is like you are large. I mean that's I played basketball in high school. Kids I knew who were taller than me who had no interest in playing basketball. It was like you're on the basketball team. That's happening. There's right. not. This isn't a conversation. You will play basketball because you are six seven, and they were not good, but they played because they right. were big. Get them but, and, and that's yeah. why high key Finch is actually the MVP between keeping everybody eligible mm-hmm. and being oh, yeah. the largest human you could put on a football field. Like yeah, sorry, bird. It's about Finch. Give, give Finch his props. <laughs> Well, Ed Finch uh, in real life was a like NCAA championship wrestler. Uh, he won the NCAA wrestling championship in 1984. Uh, and Clint Eastwood noticed him in a Time magazine ad, I guess, or he was maybe in, in some kind of feature. Um, and then that started his career in City Heat and then Wildcats, two Police Academy movies and a movie that I haven't seen yet, but I need to watch, Identity Crisis, which was... Melvin Van Peebles and Mario Van Peebles, and it's about a rapper who winds up sharing sharing his body with the soul of a dead fashion designer, and they switch personalities every time he's struck on the head. So this movie should be in the Criterion <laughs> Collection. <laughs> I also, I'm sorry, I just looked up the Identity Crisis cover. Yeah, it's the best cover. <laughs> it's the best film cover right, ever. Right, it looks like a Van Peebles situation. A um, Van Peebles <laughs> situation. That's exactly what it's called. This is a Van People's situation. Yeah, no, there's 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 a Spike Lee joint and there's a Van People's situation. Uh, <laughs> also, just, I mean, there's not a lot of behind the scenes for this movie, but I think as we mentioned previously in the White Man Can't Jump episode, this is the screen debut of both Woody Harrelson and Wesley Snipes. Uh, and they would go on to make several other movies together. So interesting to see this as the start because they're not... You know, like they're very much them. Like you can tell what they're gonna be yeah. as they grow. You can as tell actors. they got a like they yeah. got a vibe. They got a vibe during this movie. They're always yeah. like sitting together in the locker room. They're always like hanging out. On do we the know field. how old they are when they're doing this movie? Because Woody has a five o'clock mm-hmm. shadow. Forty three. Yeah. Forty three. Well, look when you look at the like the final uh, sequence, right, where they're on the they win the game and they're on they're they're talking to the opposing team, and some of the yeah. players on the opposing team have to speak. They are all forty. Like none of those, those are like, actual forty. Not 
even close to being teenagers. Like they actually is, play for the Chicago Bears. It is crazy they to are look just at all like them. not doing anything that uh, weekend. <laughs> they are so those men are so big. <laughs> they're bigger, like they're bigger than the two of the coaches put together. Yeah, and the coach I, looks like a big guy. I mean, none of the kids, none of the, the the actors, you know, on the Wildcats team are teenagers. Like they're all probably in their early twenties. Early twenties, yeah, probably. Uh, some of them maybe. You know, older than that, but um, yeah, it's it's this is just a weird, like very very eighties situational film. And last note on it, like it doesn't have to do with race at all, right? It's one of these movies that like implies in certain parts racial, racial situations, but never really structures. because. Like we're saying, so the beginning, right, and we've seen this several times in several movies, Goldie Hawn, to get an opportunity to advance in her career, has to take the job that nobody wants, which is being around black people, right? Like, the only opportunity she can get is to coach black and brown youth, which is, and it's like, when they say it, right, like, oh, I got you a job at Central High, you know, ha, ha, ha. You know, she's she's immediately like, uh, and several times throughout the movie is like, I'm gonna quit, like I'm right. gonna leave. Yeah. These kids are scary, and like I've been physically assaulted. I think because one of them like runs into her. No, you know, oh and, god, like, wait, no, is... no, no, wait, 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 oh, wait, oh yeah, wait, we, wait, we, wait, forgot, wait. we forgot that. Worse than that, and this is where I go back to like, she's that whole scene was just a fear of niggas. Because he never touches yeah. her. Yeah. No. She backpedals and falls. She could easily yeah, get she out doesn't, of the way. He doesn't trample her. He doesn't trample her. <laughs> she could just step he, to he the like, side. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but she's like, yeah, this is, he's going to run over me and kill me. You know, like these kids are ex- exaggerated. You know, no kids are like the kids in this movie. Like, sir, yeah, like kids are, you know, crass and they say things and they're trying to get under your skin and all that stuff but like mm-hmm. at a certain point you know what i mean like they're not they're gonna knock this off to a certain extent right especially if you're winning football games like they're like oh this is the coach right. now right like mm-hmm. and she doesn't seem to exert any real authority you know like because she's trying to be their friend so much like she's not really like the coach coach she's just kind of like oh yeah like she's the one that might supply us with alcohol after school and also like <laughs> i guess sometimes tells us what place to run <laughs> at, at you know and then we and then we jazzercise at practice um <laughs> but it's like it's so it, it really plays into not only just every racial stereotype possible but then like that I think the uh, the joke and the humor and and so much of the kind of like isn't this crazy is like look at this white woman Around in charge of all of these large kids. black and brown kids and like it's it's supposed to feel dangerous in so much as like they are inherently and implicitly dangerous like mm-hmm. yeah by existing they are scary shouldn't she be scared of them but look at how she convinces them to become a team like you were saying like they had all the potential in the world it just took this one white woman to 
to melt call, their hearts down. Yeah, call up some some plays that worked 30 years ago and then like they are suddenly the best football team in so Chicago. So there's something about 80s movies that they take every um trope and stereotype as fact. So mm-hmm. like whether you're watching, you know, the last dragon or this any 80, or revenge of the nerds whatever your race is whatever your gender is whatever your sexual orientation is that stereotype is canon yeah and it's Ooh. it's it's yeah it it's a it's a thing where it i don't know it's just ridiculous it's hilarious actually <laughs> but it's, but that's kind of the premise well, that most of these movies run on is mm-hmm. so no, none of it's being questioned um, the 80s were South Park before South Park was South Park. This idea of like equal opportunity, mm-hmm. like slander, like yeah. whites, like whites yeah. are goofy, black dudes are dangerous. Um, if you're gay, you're super effeminate. If you're Asian, you, mm-hmm. you know have buck teeth and are super smart. It's like all those things by default are true in the 80s cinematic universe. Yeah, <laughs> I've never heard that explain more succinctly but that's actually like that's that's fact i feel like that is that's it yeah and and if if that's why this movie is like almost quintessentially 80s because we run through all of them very quickly we get the woman stereotype Mm -hmm. we get the black man stereotype we get the gay man stereotype with the the home ec teacher um it's and it honestly it becomes exhaust it becomes exhausting before the first yeah. act is even over. It's just like golly. Yeah. Well, speaking to all that, is this a movie that we feel needs to be remade or could be remade without the white savior? Here's my thing about this movie, and I'm not even I'm almost not remaking it about the whole white savior point because I would almost even leave it in there, right? Because mm-hmm. sure they. The, the thing was done. Sassy white lady came in and warmed the hearts of the football team. Right? Yeah. Fine. It works. It's just not funny. Right. <laughs> this is a comedy with actual jokes and visual gags that land like a yeah. ton of bricks. The peanut brittle gag where he opens the opens right. the closet and it's just teeming with tins of peanut brittle. That should be hilarious. And it dies on the vine. Yeah. The fucking... Every time we cut back to Finch and he's eating a different giant food on the sidelines, that should be so funny. Him reading the Wall Street Journal in the fucking locker room should be a good laugh. Yet all of it dies instantly. Like as soon as the Joker's received, it's dead. Yeah. There's and there's so many of them. I would remake it as a funny fucking comedy and like <laughs> lean in, right? Cameron's. I would honestly right. more fun. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the jokes. Should be jokes. I think you do. <laughs> you know? I think you do better lampooning yeah, the movie than trying to recreate the movie. Right. Yeah. I would do it like like a like a high right. school high kind of thing, which is a movie we'll probably have to watch on this podcast because it's oh, the same sure. kind of shit. But that's the that's the idea, right? You should do something that's just like fully satire yeah. at that point, fully lampooning it. Well, I think you know the part of like you're saying what the movie doesn't do is kind of go far enough, not in the stereotypes and things that it does, but just in like mm-hmm. the absurdity of the situation. Mm-hmm. Like it kind of right. just is, and so everything's taken at face value, and then some kind of weird, wacky things happen. I mean, I don't think the movie was ever made to be not even just good, but like I don't think this was like a thing that was a was a 
real like focus of the studio. I think it was just like Goldie Hawn needs to right. be in a movie. We this is what we, we got. Fly around to Chicago <laughs> for three months. Here's the thing: make this, this, movie. this movie's going to not cost a lot to make, and it made twenty six million dollars, so it was financially successful. I'm sure. Um, but it is, it's a movie that I feel like, you know, you, you kind of, cause then you look at things that are better versions of it. Like, um, what is it called? Is it, is it blue mountain Valley or, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. there's blue mountain right. Valley. There's, um, you know, just other kind of like goofy football things. And I think they're all obviously lampooning this kind of like eighties, Whatever, because I don't know, was Rudy before this? Rudy was Rudy's, Rudy Rudy's early 2000s. This? Rudy or late Rudy? 90s? No. Rudy is like. I feel like Rudy's like, like an 80s, definitely an 80s ish uh, thing. Corey Haim. That's uh, <laughs> Corey Haim. Yeah, that's like 80. That must be this year. Rudy is 1993. Like that. Wow. Okay. What? That's, that's later than I thought. Uh, that's later than yeah. I thought too. Well, just like the 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 kind of grand sweeping like sports mm-hmm. epic. They did it. You know yeah, what I mean? Sports like, epic, like kind of like play on insurmountable that. odds. You know, because like the team I think it's trying to be an R-rated Bad News Bears. It's yeah. the same guy who did right. both Bad News Bears movies. And the thing about the Bad News Bears is like they're all they're like fuck up kids who like come together and like they don't win at baseball because they're good at baseball. Like they, win at but you end up caring because... about those kids. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, that movie works. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. So it's like they don't they skip all of like the development in order to like get off. You know, the Wesley Snipes getting right. hit in the balls. Well. And Wildcats like, <laughs> is what you get if you ask artificial intelligence to write an 80s fo- comedy football movie. Sure. Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. Because it's got all like the it's got all the jokes yeah. and the tropes and it hits all those beats like it's there. She's down bad for a minute. She does like she makes the decision to like give up. Mm-hmm. at the last minute before like not giving up right. and then finally winning the game in a buzzer beat it's like it literally is all yeah. tropes and it but it surmounts to like nothing other than like they won the game right. at the end that's why i was yeah that's why i was so able to call it call the freeze frame at the end of the movie because mm-hmm. it was like if there's anything after the scene i'm <laughs> leaving, right. i'm leaving my well, own house there was there was the little 85 bears parody that they did that which is like we talk about this a lot. Like that's a day. That's a whole day that they took to shoot. That's a day. Everybody had to do, and then individually, everybody had to come into the studio. Everybody to, like, had a bar. Wears. Yeah, everybody yeah. got to rap. Oh my god! And so wait, was... wait. So who beatbox? The big dude beatbox because he has to because he's big. Yeah, right, right, right. It looks like Wesley is beatboxing for a he's little bit. He's also doing did Woody beatbox. Yeah. No, he rapped. He rapped though. He rapped like, which is better. <laughs> and it's I feel bad for everybody who defends 80s rap as an 80s kid because like everybody's like well why isn't you know these aren't these 80s songs on the top you know songs list of all time or the top verses of all time it's like it really was some cat in the hat shit and this is me coming up in the, like it yeah. wasn't oh, I feel bad <laughs> 
My name is right. Football and I'm here to say football's the game that we like to play. Well, like, when that movie came out, somebody said, yo, Woody was spitting. Boy, Woody had know. bars. No, they weren't. Yeah. I slapped the hell out of whoever said that to me. There was definitely, and like all of those, like Rockham, Cool G, Big Daddy, they came like on the tail end of the 80s, but for a majority of it, it was like, yeah. you know, even Run DMC, who were, you know, the, the premier group of the moment were just same same flow every song you know what i mean yeah uh so well let's let's get to our favorite game figuring out what this movie had on all the different aggregate sites starting out with imdb uh this is out of 10 and it's a point system what do you think shane this movie has currently i'm gonna go four three yeah okay point three cameron what do you think <laughs> you um, say that a lot. You say that a lot, though. <laughs> but then I'm always proven wrong. Um, I'm gonna say three point seven. This movie on IMDb currently has a strong six. Get the fuck out! I'm done. I'm done. Six with, out of ten. Jordan, this is. It's been fun doing this, this podcast. This is the power of I'm, nostalgia. Oh well, because look, when you look at all the reviews, uh, there's only thirty six of them, but most of them are. <laughs> Look, love, love Goldie Hawn. This is a throwback mm-hmm. to my childhood. You know, very like nostalgic fun. It's a fun 80s comedy, yada, yada, yada. Like, people are just, yeah, I saw this movie when I was seven years old, <laughs> although you probably shouldn't have. And I yeah. <laughs> loved it. And it and it still speaks Shout to me. Shout out to folks who I mean? took out the time to actually uh, write a review say. for Wildcats. I know. I know. Well, moving on to. Rotten Tomatoes out of a hundred percent, and these are the critics. Uh, what do you think this movie has? I'm with thirty-nine. Cameron, I can't participate because I bought this movie on Apple TV, or I rented this oh, movie on boy. Apple TV, and it's right there in front of my face. All right, well, it's got a twenty-six percent. Um, yeah, that's I'll give you, that, that, that. Feels accurate. That feels, feels actual. Right. Yeah, a lot of people again felt. Kind of similar to how we felt where this, I mean, 86, the 80s tropes were still in full effect, but I think people were starting to finally, you know, at the end of every decade, I think people are like, we've seen it, we've seen it, we've seen it, uh, you know, starting to look for the next thing. So our favorite is always (laughs) Roger Ebert. Wildcats is about how spunky Han is and how cute it's supposed to be that this little woman can make all these great big football players do what she says. Uh, but I think he gave it 1.5 out of 4. So I, th- right. I think there's a lot of people who, in a similar boat where it's just like, because even then, like, Goldie Hawn was a yep. big star, and, like, yeah. you know, you are you can sell a movie on her back, but if she's not even really given anything to do, which she's not, other than right. wear short shorts and, like, guffaw sometimes, yeah, like, you know, she makes several speeches throughout the movie, which are variations on the same speech, and it doesn't really mm-hmm. go anywhere, you know. In the, in the if way this that is you the only Goldie Hawn movie that you ever see, you don't realize how she actually is funny and talented and can act. Like, like even even something yeah. like even like Overboard. Yes, yes, yes. Let's uh, we, where she loses her memory yeah. and it's, all, yeah. it's she's good, she's good. But if this is your sample size, mm-hmm. you, you're not gonna you, you don't get it. Yeah, yeah. It yeah. is unfortunate. I will say in that sense because she is a good actress. She's. Plenty talented. Mm-hmm. She was a star for a reason, but mm-hmm. it's just unfortunate that, like, yeah, 
this movie is this well, movie. <laughs> let's take it to our absolute favorite, Amazon.com. Out of five stars, Shane, what do you think Wildcats has? <laughs> so it's hard because I feel like I feel like Amazon's and, and wild. Shane, Shane, before before you say this, <laughs> forget about the movie you just watched. I feel like Amazon is forget wild about it because it's Amazon. Yeah, yeah. Is it a three? Cameron, I'm gonna say four point five. I'm gonna tell you it's five. Wait, 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 wait! How many God damn it! Are you serious? There have been better movies. It's, wait, it's wait, 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 wait. Four point eight out of five out of two thousand six hundred seventy-five ratings. Eighty-five, eighty-four percent five stars. We have watched better movies that have scored lower on Amazon. Look, I'm, I'm going to read your review, and this review was from July 29th, two thousand twenty-two, and the title is "Goldie Was Very Good." The review is the fact that Goldie Hawn was very good was very important. Four wow. stars. <laughs> I'm going to read you another review I just looked up. It's from Ugg. He's a caveman. Uh, he said, movie good. That's the end of the review. <laughs> That's so, how Amazon is. What is the demographic of people yeah. who are generally going to Amazon Prime to find movies? And what is the demographic Savages. of people who are leaving reviews <laughs> on Amazon Prime for movies? Savages. <laughs> I was actually going to say your parents. Because the, the last <laughs> time I purposely went to Amazon Prime to watch anything, I binged the entire In the Heat of the Night series. Yes. Mm-hmm. But it also Fair, tells you how show. old I am. Like, I feel like I'm the youngest. Right. Yeah. That's actually but one of the like first I'm, shows I'm I remember the youngest person who goes to Amazon Prime on purpose to find shows. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, I mean, we we've we've read and seen some reviews from people who like the the culmination of the review is I received the DVD <laughs> and it worked five stars, and so like there's stuff on here that it's like sure there are people who have watched the movie, but sometimes it's literally a review of the right. physical product they received. This and movie had a beginning, a middle, <laughs> and somehow it had an end. I loved it. Five stars. So that's that's what the people think about Wildcats. Uh, but yeah. now it's time for us to rate this movie on our Caucasity ranking scale. We've got three levels of Caucasity, Shane. So the first level that we have is Shorts in the Winter. <laughs> and that is yes. pretty self-explanatory. Uh, you know, we're in that time of the year. People are... It's, yeah. it's legitimately cold now. Like before, a couple of weeks ago, like it was still dipping up into the 70s for some reason um but now it's like it's 40 degrees it's you know and that's during the day so at night you know we're we're (laughs) dipping down into into the 30s and some of our less melanated brethren out there continue to wear shorts and sandals and they they do it in a way that is almost like a peacock you know frilling its feathers Mm -hmm. look at me (laughs) pay attention to me and (laughs) it's a curiosity it's not hurting me you know, no, no actual harm is coming to me, but I just, I wonder why you're doing this because I'm cold. I'm in three so, layers. So, so here's, here's the thing with that. <laughs> yeah. I'm raising two black children in the suburbs and they refuse to wear coats because they're black kids in the suburbs hmm. and it's, it's hoodies and not shorts, but it's hoodies in like 30 degree weather. And it's, it, it hurts my heart. Like you strike at, at as, as <laughs> you're watching as it happen in your own house, house, you strive to get to the point where your kids can be raised 
in the suburbs and have a good education and everything else. And then you look at them and they're like, you know what? Poverty isn't such a bad thing. We all need a little bit of poverty in our lives. <laughs> get, get back to the days of uh, triple fat. goose down coats and, uh, and Tim's. Yeah. yeah. I'm sorry, but oh, hell yeah. Yeah. Uh, Cameron, what's our second level? Uh, the second level of caucasity is uh, this movie's touching my hair. So now I hate this y'all. movie had an agenda, by the way. This movie has an agenda. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> this movie has an agenda. It's out to come for you. It doesn't It doesn't necessarily mean violence. Yeah. But it definitely, and it probably doesn't even know what it's doing, but it's definitely annoying the hell out of your black ass. Yeah. And with that, it is a violence, but it's not mm-hmm. bloodletting. So how about that? Yeah. We'll say that. It's like uh, two cubicles down from you and like always is kind of like saying passive aggressive things and yeah. is getting closer mm-hmm. and closer with its hand each day. Right. Right. <laughs> Until it's fully in your hair yeah. and then saying, ooh, your hair feels so crazy. That's so wild. <laughs> how do you do that? It's the black scent that makes it even worse. Because <laughs> you know they... W- Oh my God! Have you have you ever talked to a white person and then they instantly switch up on you? Uh, like, what up, dog? Yeah, they do the Cardi and then B. they instantly know that they've yeah. done the switch up, and they're like, "I I know I didn't I didn't mean to do yeah. that." So I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, well, that's the, the second level. The third level this week. I don't know if either of you have seen this, but it, this is the world that we live in. Oculus founder Palmer Lucky has allegedly built a VR game that can kill you. If you die in the game, stop. I feel like no. I've seen this movie. What? It's so. <laughs> it's called the singularity. <laughs> the the basic long and short of it is the guy who invented the Oculus, who is also does like contract defense mm. shit. Um, you know he does. Is a big is a big anime weeb, and so there's an anime called Sword Art Online in which. A bunch of people get trapped in this virtual reality game and they start dying because they die in the game. And so he thought it would be a good idea to invent a prototype of a virtual reality helmet that has, mm-hmm. and, I'll, and I'll put the link to this in uh, the chat so you can look at it. Uh, it's, a, it's a virtual reality helmet in which there are, as he says, three uh, explosive charges uh, mounted to the front, what? and so when you die and the game over screen comes down, they would seemingly explode and your head would blow up. Get oh, and I so... see it. Oh my! Why would you put that on? <laughs> you can see that it's obviously like it's made to kill you, right? This this headset. Oh my god! Whoa! Has three like looks like gun barrels at the top. So when you have when you have three shotgun shells mounted on the top of a VR set. Putting a sword in front of it <laughs> means nothing. <laughs> you are obviously a savage. You are obviously <laughs> like ready his, to die. His explanation is again: this is just a prop that we made, you know, to resemble Not the anime, yada yada. But then, as he talked about it further, he was like, "But what if, right? Because like, wouldn't it be very interesting if the stakes of the game?" you know, involved your actual life and like wouldn't it make it such a more immersive experience of if you, you know, played the game with the knowledge that you possibly could die if you fall off this cliff or, you know, whatever. And this is 
It's like eerily like the squid. It's like Netflix doing the Squid Game yeah. game show on yeah. Netflix, like fully missing the point. I feel like this is that. Yeah. Well, and this is the most caucastic because only white people have time for this. Right. You don't want to. When have you ever seen a black person like the a black man invented the super soaker? That nigga wasn't like you know what I would love is if I invented a gun that kids could actually shoot each other with. No. We, no, we, we wanted a water gun. We invent we things fun. that we actually need because right. nobody else has given like, them to us. So out of just like necessity, we, we create things. Only white people have time to create not only just like fantastical what-if kind of inventions, but like the kind that will actually kill you. Right. Only only white people come out of their basement like, honey, look I what I created. In a world that's so safe that I have to manufacture danger. Yeah. <laughs> well, that actually that's probably it because right. black people never fucking feel safe. So Yeah. <laughs> Only white people could be like, you know what? I just want to possibly kill myself with a VR video game. Yeah, I just I, want the option there. What if I played Super Mario, but like, <laughs> what if I could create fireballs in real life? So God. That's the highest level of caucasity in which they know what they're doing. They don't care. They mean to do harm. In this case, literally right. do harm by Actual killing harm. you. <laughs> in other instances, it's it's intentional harm done to just us or other people, uh, and they could give a shit. So, Wildcats, <laughs> where do you think it, it lands on our So, I'm scale? actually... I'm, I'm, I, I'm a little split. Give me the second one again. The second one was... Touching hair. So I feel like touching the movie hair. is touching, touching my, hair. my hair, but Goldie Hawn's character is full-on VR shotgun shell. Because, because again, <laughs> her character is strictly using these kids for her own gain. Like, she does not give a shit about these kids. The movie's touching it. my hair, though, overall. Yeah. Cameron, what about you? Yeah, I think this movie is touching my head. This movie is, is, is it's not VR headset to the head because I've already watched those movies on this podcast. Um, uh, but I think this movie is definitely touching my hair. And I've, sadly enough, I feel like yeah. it's touching a lot of people's hair with yeah. that 80s mentality of just like, oh, you're a woman. Well, you obviously right. can't do this. You're a gay home ec teacher. Well, you obviously can't co- coach football. It's like, it's not even clever. None of the, none of the mm-hmm. shots are clever so it's almost like we were just trying to be funny and instead we just came out being really egregiously sexist and racist and that's where i end up on it i just i'm just annoyed by this movie more so than anything so i think this movie is touching my hair but i caught it touching my hair so i grabbed very, the tail i was like bitch very quickly can we insinuate as to why home ec teacher wanted to coach jv football oh i oh i wasn't even going there well it's not that well because mm. it's public school so it's not the bag yeah i'm just like why would he even he clearly oh, doesn't yeah, know anything about football so oh, i don't yeah. know what the movie is yeah i just got it too i don't know oh, what the I, I can infer what the movie's trying I, to say I, I, but i'm also i, I, I was good on the penetration offer. i just don't it <laughs> conversations but ooh, I didn't. I didn't. Oh, yeah. Oh, they pushed it there. Jeez. I guess yeah. So. I guess I needed. I, <laughs> I needed him like wetting his appetite in the principal's office. I needed the home ec teacher being like, "I, I want to coach need that subtext. football." Yeah, like I needed that. I guess. 
Yeah, because yeah, I mean, Damn. there's no unless he is getting some kind of pay raise. I almost have to change my ranking just off of that. <laughs> yeah, that was. Well, it's I'm, Chicago Public School. It's right. not the bag. It is not the bonus. Yeah, uh, I'm giving it touching my hair as well. I feel like you know Goldie Hawn would be the one to touch your hair yeah. uh, and kind of you know, yeah. giggle Goldie afterwards. Hawn, Goldie Hawn's getting uh, great. Yeah, but, <laughs> in the Bahamas. Mm-hmm. Boom. Yeah. Boom. Yeah. There you go. You beat me to it. Uh, so this movie is, you know, like <laughs> it's it's offensive in in the way that a lot of '80s movies mm-hmm. were just generally offensive mm-hmm. and like intentionally, you know, like they were kind. They're trying to you know push the the limits and all that stuff. Uh, but it's also like there's there's no seriousness to the film, and not even just in the in the sense of like the plot or anything like that. But it like this is very clearly like. Again, Goldie Hawn needed to be in a movie in 1986, and they were like, "Well, here you go. This is what we got." Her agent was like, "Look, I got this. It's Bad News Bears guy. You know, come through." Um, I just pulled the script out of my jock strap. Because I think he had also made Fletch. I don't know if that was before or after, but like and he Fletch was a relevant movie. director at the times. Yeah, yeah, so I think she was like, "Oh, I get to work with this guy. I get you know to make some is? money." This movie is every rapper who has to put out one last album to got their contract. They just put out all the stuff yeah. that they weren't going to release mm. anyway, just to give you a quick album and bounce. That's what this feels like. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. there's not really a lot of effort put into this one, so it's not even no. like they were trying to tell a heartwarming story about Goldie Hawn. No you doing whatever? It's just like let's let's get in. She's in the yeah. tub. What do you want? Here we go. <laughs> I'm gonna give you this Goldie Hawn long back. Yeah. Should we, oh, wow. should we edit that out? I don't know. Shout out Jesus Just and Meryl. No, it's okay. <laughs> they ain't even together no more. It's not the copyrights. Right. <laughs> Statue of limitations gone. Uh, well, let's let's that do some quick back. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just had to do it. Let's do some quick recommendations if people have some on the way out. Uh, Shane, I don't know if there's anything you want to recommend. It could be sports related. It could just so be I don't have something an that actual recommendation. I was thinking about it. I was looking through your list, and honestly, I want your most militant Hotepian guest to do any Tarzan movie. I want Dr. Umar on here doing a Tarzan Mm -hmm. movie. Can we get Dr. Umar? Yeah. He's in Jersey. (laughs) I want whoever can get to do Tarzan, but I want them to be angry and upset. All right. Yeah. Well, we'll I, this is a goal we have to do. I want a sister soldier we'll, we'll doing the for you. I'll see what I can, Umar, what strings I can pull. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know if we're ready for that. Right. <laughs> Lady of Rage, where you at? But we'll we'll figure it out. Um, well, Cameron, do you have any recommendations? Go see, <laughs> go go see anything, anything other than this. Sure. Go see uh, Black Panthers in theaters. Wakanda Forever. Wakanda Forever. We'll be talking about it soon on this podcast Mm -hmm. so go see it that's my recommendation all right uh i've got two quick recommendations if you want to see ll cool j play football oh wait i thought you were asking for um, savior recommendations you're talking about just movie recommendations in general oh no just any uh, any movie movie any movie if i what's the last what's the last good thing you saw uh that's a good question um i've been looking doing a lot of like screenplay work and stuff lately so uh, Mm -hmm. i rewatched the godfather I was just, I was about I to watch Inglorious Bastards last night, but I fell asleep. Also, very mm-hmm. good. Uh, um, oh, wait. 
I w- that movie has exactly one black character. Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> who doesn't, who speaks like twice. If you want to go old school, sort of black black exploitation sci-fi, Brother from Another Planet. Yeah. Thank me later. Yeah, there you go. There Great you go. Fall. Yeah. 100%. Um, well, in that vein. So yeah, watch watch Any Given Sunday if you want to watch Al Pacino have a lot of sex. And watch... Uh, <laughs> There's a new documentary that just came out on Netflix um, that's called Is That Black Enough For You? It's by Elvis Mitchell, and it's basically an exploration of uh, the power of cinema and black directors and, and filmmakers, specifically in the in the 70s. So looking at black exploitation oh my God. and kind of how that impacted film and black film specifically and then spun forward into the 80s and the 90s. Uh, so that's on Netflix right now. Is That Black Enough For You? Check that out. Uh, maybe we can get Elvis on the show to talk about it with us. We'll see. Who can Ooh, who that'd can be say. a big get. Uh, but Shane, let's hear what you got going on. Where people can find you on the internet? Any projects that you have going oh, on? What people geez. should be looking out for? Um, so I'm basically a freelance writer at the moment. So I'm working on a piece for Mashable about the where black folks are going now that Twitter's caught fire. Mm-hmm. Um, my wife and I have a children's book coming out called Pekasita that should be out sometime next year hopefully awesome nice um i'm currently doing some short film video work with my uh good buddy chris francois aka kid hollywood hollywood um i spent a as as a 45 year old i spent too much time on tiktok uh so there's mm. that <laughs> um basically anything that i'm doing you can find on shot by spn.com forward slash find me you can find all the work and socials and stuff there um definitely hit me up do you have a recommendation if we're if we're leaving twitter is it tumblr are we going back to black planet um yeah. black people meet where are we going so mastodon is one that's come up a lot um there's fan base which is actually a a black owned social media network uh it's akin to instagram not quite twitter speed but it Mm -hmm. they're really dope um i've actually just joined blacktwitter.com i don't know how long that name is going to be able to survive but it's another young lady who you know black woman who is building a social media network up from scratch so the twitter thing has actually caused a lot of folks to either start building their own social media networks Mm -hmm. or we're starting to find other black owned ones i think the most stable one the most popular right now is probably fan base so yeah okay let me check that one out bet all right cam what do you have going on um you can find me checking out fan base i guess (laughs) (laughs) uh you can find me on twitter while still around and ig at the blipster 1138 uh follow for the funny i am presently working on projects that i um cannot talk about but they're writing that means there's a check that means he's getting a check (laughs) that there you go at that (laughs) nice um and i'm jordan clark you find me on twitter and instagram at jrsosa18 jrsosa18 uh just announced today the dc comics dc power anthology that's coming out in january i'll be a part of that it's a bunch of different black writers and artists doing all of the black characters at dc comics in one big anthology uh so i'll be doing a a aqualad aquaman jackson hyde story um so that will be coming out in january and then you can also find more comics for me coming out in december red sonia versus um hell sonia will be coming out from dynamite comics 
starting beginning of December, and then more things hopefully soon. Similarly, Cameron can't talk about them yet, but we'll talk about them when they're announced. More chicks. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you want to reach out to us, again, while Twitter is still a thing that exists, you can find us on white underscore pod. Uh, if you want to reach out to us in a more possibly reliable way, you can reach out to us on the Gmail at white people won't save you pod at gmail.com. Uh, be sure to like and rate and subscribe and review and all those kind things that you do on your podcast services. And one more time before we get out of here. It's the sport of kings, better than diamond rings. That's why we're here to sing football. <laughs> it's just a vibe you know what i mean you just gotta you gotta really be in the studio with ella when he's hitting that that football falsetto um but that's gonna do it for us this week we'll be back next week with more calcacity peace hey to y'all you can't save us we don't want to be saved you can't save us we don't want to be saved you can't save us we don't want to be saved you can't save us we don't want to be saved you can't save us we don't want to be saved you can't save us we don't want to be saved you can't save us we don't want to be saved you can't save us we don't want to be saved